Hello there, I'm Finley Martin and you're listening to The Wrestling Chaps. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Wrestling Chaps podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm Daniel. And I'm Joe. And we are the Wrestling Chaps. However, we are also joined by an honorary chap for the day, Finley Martin of Power Slam. How you Thank doing, you for having me, Wrestling Chaps. Welcome I've back. I've been here before and it's great to be back. Yeah, yeah it's lovely to have you back. Today's show, we're just going to talk a uh, little bit with Finley about his new book that's coming out and then we're going to go into our Raw review and our SmackDown review and a little bit of news and rumours at the end as well. Uh-huh, absolutely. Um, so, Findlay, your new book. Yes, the Power Slam Interviews Volume 1. It's available worldwide now from Amazon, iBooks and Kobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's uh, lots of uh, interviews that were previously published in Power Slam uh, that all have new intros. So, I mean, even if you have every issue of Power Slam you will still get a lot from this book. Also, there are five brand new interviews with Jerry Lynn, Drew Galloway, JTG of Crime Time, of course, Tommy Dreamer and Mark Dallas, the Insane Championship Wrestling promoter. And they're all like lengthy, in-depth interviews and they were all recorded this year. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I'm very pleased with all of those new interviews. Each one's different. Um, And as for the previously published interviews, I mean, they date back to 1994. Steve Austin has also famous interview we did with Cactus Jack right after the King of the Deathmatch tournament. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow in 1996. Uh, that was like a year after his WrestleMania main event. He's working as, an, as a weekend warrior on the independent circuit. It was like, how did that happen? That's all explained. Uh, Shane Douglas, Taz, Dynamite Kid, Chris Jericho, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Paul Heyman, Tyler Black, who, of course, is now Seth Rollins, Kevin Steen, who's now Kevin Owens, uh, Necro Butcher, of course, that, that we did the, uh, did the interview with him. Uh, just before The Wrestler was released. So that was a very interesting interview <laughs> with him, just talking about the film and his experience of working with Mickey Rock and Darren Aronofsky. Uh, and, of course, his career as the um, as the deathmatch king, you know, the uh, the guy who did the light tubes matches. So it was fascinating talking to him about that. And other interviews like with George Steele. I mean, you know, you think to yourself, George Steele was like this guy. And when I did the interview with him, it's like, it was as if I was the student and he was the teacher, you know. This guy had been involved in the business since the 60s. And you think to yourself, this was a guy that people didn't really take seriously, but what a career he had. You know, he he did all the stuff with Bruno and Pedro Morales. Then he somehow made the transition to Vince McMahon Jr.'s uh, cartoon era and had like a really good run there. When you think about it, OK, we're still in a comedy role. But he was able to make that transition when he was a veteran, then became a road agent. So that was a, a fascinating interview as well. And he was such a bright guy, you know, and, and there was no arrogance at all with George Steele. You know, when he spoke, that guy just knew, you know, he just knew what he was talking about. And, you know, when you're speaking to someone like that, you know what you do? You listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, lots of old interviews uh, and each one has like a, a lengthy uh, intro. Like Paul London was another classic we did from 2010. 
so big long intro to that as well just really explaining how he was and you know um it was Greg Lambert, of course, who did that interview, not I. Um, so I got some quotes from Greg Lambert as well about the interview. CM Punk interviewed him in 2004. So that was interesting, you know, to speak to him. Again, Greg Lambert did that interview to speak to him before he made it to the WWE. Uh, to the WWE. Sort of, you know, fascinating to see how gung-ho he was about wrestling. And you contrast that with where he is now. So, yeah, lots of interviews. Uh, you know, and you know, I'm very pleased with the book. And hopefully it will be of interest to your listeners. Absolutely. Do you have any picks for your favourite interviews or interviewees? Uh, well, he, the thing about all the interviews have been chosen for a reason. Um, the, the only two that are sort of similar, I would say, would be the... Shane Douglas, Dean Douglas interview from 1996 and the Paul London interview from 2010. There is some similarities between those two interviews, uh, but I mean, obviously, they took place so many years apart that they are, um, you know, they're talking about, you know, uh, Dean Douglas, Shane Douglas as, as he was then. Uh, he was back in ECW when we spoke. Um, his time in the company was obviously a different era to when Paul London was there. So there's some similarities between the interviews. And just really how uh, upset they were about how things had gone down. So there's some similarities there. But the thing I like about pretty much all the interviews is that each one is different. And there's some interviews that are, you know, very complimentary of the companies that people work for. Some uh, interviews where they're really, you know, raging and, and really sort of miffed about the way they've been treated and feeling that, you know, they didn't get a fair shake of the stick from the company that they just worked for or companies they'd previously worked for. And interviews as well that really took place at pivotal moments in wrestlers' careers. You know, like Eddie, Guer Eddie Guerrero spoke to him in December of 2001. He'd been fired by uh, WWF, as it still was then, uh, the previous month. So he was really trying to atone and redeem himself after, you know, losing his job, he'd been through rehab that year, then he'd gone out, um, you know, he'd relapsed on alcohol, been arrested for drink driving, and then WWF fired him. So he was then basically putting his life and his career back together on the independent circuit. So that was a fascinating one to speak to him at that point in his life. And then to see, you know, that just a few months later, WWF gave him another chance. So that was, that was a very interesting one as well. So I don't really have a favourite one. I mean, I suppose, I think the one that was most satisfying was probably the Paul Heyman interview, because I'd, I first attempted to um, speak to him in 1995 for Power Slam, and uh, it wasn't actually until 2008 that I'd got the interview, so it was like, you know, 13 years elapsed there. So I think that was the one that I finally got my man, so that was probably the one that I was... I was most proud of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul's obviously such a sharp guy, knows so many yeah. things. You know, he's done so many things. He's got, you know, he's somebody that really thinks things through and he's not going to give you, like, one-word answers. He'll give you very in-depth, thought-provoking answers. So that was probably the one that I was most proud of because it took so long to get that interview. So that's probably probably the one, yes, that I really, uh, yeah. really was chuffed to get, you know, and... Um, but there's, um, you know, lots of other ones in there as well. I like for other reasons. You know, the Dynamite Kid one was was um, was really quite a seminal interview at the time for the magazine. Uh, this was 1998 when I spoke to him. So that was a hell of a thing to speak to him. And that, of course, led to the to the autobiography, Pure Dynamite, which I published the following year. 
Um, and you know, another one, and you know, just doing interviews with, like, with guys like uh, Kevin Steen was such such a nice guy. You know, it was really interesting to speak to him. Uh, this was after he lost the uh, loser leaves Ring of Honor match to El Generico Final Battle 2010, mm-hmm. and it was interesting to speak to him because at that point in his career he was convinced that he would never work for WWE. And look at what's ha- look what happened. A few- yeah, look at what happened a few years later. So that was a that was an interesting one as well. So yeah, each interview. Uh, apart from the Poland and Shane Douglas ones, which were similar in ways I've just discussed, each interview is different, and and I think each interview, you know, has a place in that book. And uh, yeah, I'm very I'm very pleased with the book, and I will be doing the Power Slam interviews volume two. I'll be starting work on that next week, and hopefully that will be out in December. So yeah, there's loads of other interviews that we did in Power Slam that didn't make the first book that will be in the second book. And in the second book, there will also be brand new interviews, just as there is in the first book. Nice, awesome. Yeah, to just get your second book in just in time for Christmas. Uh... <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's the plan, to have it out in December. It may be January, but I'm hoping to have it completed by December. So yeah, as I say, I'll be starting that next week. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into it. Mm-hmm. And it was something you spoke about previously last time. Uh, how did you find the writing process this time around? Because obviously, before you were making the jump from writing a magazine to writing books, but this time you've got experience writing a book. So did you find it easier, or was it still as much of a struggle as the first time? I found quite quite a lot of the intros. It was quite tricky to write some of them because what you had to do was you had to take the reader back to the time when the interview took place. Uh, you had to set it up without basically trampling on anything in the interview that they were about to read. Mm-hmm. So some of the uh, intros were really tricky to write. Um, you know, but the thing was, you know, I, I gave myself time. The Progressing Through the Power Some Years came out in September 2015. This came out last month, July 2016. Mm-hmm. So I gave myself time to get things right. Um, and uh, yeah, some of it was tricky, but I spent... You know, it was it was not rushed. It really felt like, you know, each intro, even if I'd, I'd had, say, like another two months to write this book, I don't think I could have got it better. I think it was bob on. I think the, you know, the intros were, were spot on. I was very pleased with pretty much everything in there. Um, so, yeah, it was it was difficult. But I as a writer, I always try to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember years ago reading an obituary of uh, Hunter S. Thompson, uh, and all these people were told, right? You know, it was all these different people. Well, obviously, after he died, it was he was such a you know literary giant in his day. And I remember reading something about him, and someone said that his genius was that in his prime he would just keep rewriting and rewriting and rewriting until he got it right until he got it correct until it was absolutely spot on mm-hmm. and that's my philosophy with writing as well is that i will just keep keep rewriting it until i'm happy with it when i was doing power slam because you were on such a tight deadline every month some things i wouldn't say i wouldn't say there was many things that i sent out that i wasn't happy with but you look back and think wow if i'd had like another day on that or another couple of days on that I would have done it differently. Yeah. You know, when you're doing an e-book because you've got more time, you do have that luxury of being able to just keep rewriting it until you're absolutely totally satisfied with it. So that is one of the beauties of doing books. That is one of the big differences between doing books and magazines is you do have more time. And I think you, at the end of the day, you're putting out a better product B 
because you've got the time to to perfect it basically uh-huh so uh, so yeah I, I mean it's it's a different process to doing a magazine um but there's you know it's obviously you're still just writing and writing about pro wrestling as well so um, you know, and doing the new interviews because it was an ebook and you didn't have the limitations of, you know, having to fit it into two pages or four pages or six pages in the magazine. You can just keep going. Um, so you can include everything. You can do every question can be as long as it needs to be. So that's another one of the, the great luxuries of the ebook is that it can be as big as you want it to be. Yep. And looking back through these interviews now, is there anything that you see in there where you think, I wish I had have asked this or I wish I hadn't have asked that to certain people. Is there anything you regret asking or not asking? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, that's a tricky one from really for me to answer. Um, I mean, you look back and, of course, there are things that happened and things you became aware of in later years that you didn't know at the time. You think, oh, if only I'd asked that question. Um I think most of the interviews, you look back on them and some of, the, some of the times you would ask questions and you think, wow, I can't believe I just asked that. And certainly in the Paul Heyman interview, there was a few questions there. And I look back and I think, wow, I can't believe I asked him that. But I knew Paul could take it. Uh, Paul's a guy who likes to be challenged as well when it comes to interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember him uh, emailing me after we'd done the interview and thanked me for for uh, he was probably yeah probably working he was he was probably even trying to manipulate me or something I don't know, uh, you know I'm sure he wasn't uh, but I remember him emailing me afterwards and, and really thanking me for 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 really you know uh, putting him through through the mill you know you you would that seems like a contradiction that someone would actually write that it seems like a paradox but he really did uh, and I felt like I really grilled him on a lot of questions there and that was another part of the reason why I was very pleased with that interview. But I think um, most interviews in that book, no, no, I don't think there was that many questions that that I wished I could have asked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know the reason they were chosen was because they were the best, they were cream of the of the, of the and there were some interviews in Power Slam's history that did obviously didn't make the cut and won't make the cut on the volume two because mm-hmm. they just weren't as good as others. Um, so no, I was I, I was I was pleased with uh, with the content. Very pleased with the content. Nice. So that's um, your book now, the Power Slam interviews yeah. out on, as you said, Amazon and Kindle and Kobo and all sort of good and iBooks good as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's available worldwide from Amazon, iBooks, and Kobo. So obviously you don't have to have a Kindle. You can just download the Kindle app to any of your devices for free and just read it through that. So you don't have to own a Kindle to buy the book. Absolutely. So, right, a lot has changed since last time we talked. Um, Hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah. Huge, like, changes in the entire world of wrestling. Um, the brand split and all of that sort of stuff. So, there might be quite a bit to talk about here um, with our Raw and Smackdown reviews. Um, we'll, we'll see what comes up. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, watch Raw and Smackdown this week. I made my notes, so, you know, whatever you want to talk about, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, Raw started out with um, essentially a promo between Enzo and Cass, uh, interrupted by Chris Jericho, who then said about yeah. having Kevin Owens watching his back. Kevin Owens comes out, uh, and they share some back-and-forth yep. banter, um, which leads to Enzo Amore versus Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah it's a fun opening segment. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Enzo and Cass always fun. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I'm very excited about the potential of this new uh, Jericho and Kevin Owens tag team. Yeah. I think that's that sounds like it could be amazing. Yeah. If they do it right, if it's the right amount of time, and if it's a platform for Kevin Owens to bounce off of and go do other stuff. Yeah. Raw seemed to have really taken on board all of the criticism that was thrown at it previously uh, before the brand split about having too much yeah. GM stuff and too much authority and all of that and it seems like the authority and the general managers and stuff is like stepping way back and every week they're sort of opening up with the talent yeah. rather than yeah. the managers which definitely yeah I've noticed that as well mm-hmm. I've noticed that for sure yeah it's uh, I, I think that was something that was becoming overpowering wasn't it before the yeah. brand split I mean you were just like come on we've had enough of Stephanie I mean she wasn't even on this week's Raw yeah <laughs> yeah you know, I didn't yeah, yeah, Mick Foley was there, and uh, he was on the phone. He, he did like the you know phone call to Stephanie, yeah. uh, and that was really the only time she was mentioned. I think. Yeah, I think it's nice every once in a while to just because now that we have these general managers, we don't need Stephanie and Shane on every show because we have the general managers now. So there doesn't have to be two or forty figures on every single show, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what I like about having these general managers. And for once, we finally have two baby faced authority figures on the show. <laughs> yeah. Which is a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. It's, we, we don't have to boo our authority figures for once. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the opening match, I thought Jericho versus Amori was a good solid opener. And Jericho won by disqualification when Big Cass ran in. And then Cass challenged Jericho and Owens to a tag match at SummerSlam. Owens accepted and that match is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your opinions on uh, Jericho and Owens as a tag team? Is it something that you're you're a fan of? Because I I know I'm definitely excited about the possibilities. Well, I mean, I've got to say, I would have preferred Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to form a tag team after their match at Battleground. I I really would have liked to have seen those two shake hands and form an odd couple partnership. I think that I would have... Because, I mean, to me, Jericho, Jericho... Jericho is much better in this role... Yeah. ...than he was... You know, prior to, I mean, he started doing a bit of a comedy role now, which yeah. I think is something that he's really good at. It's definitely his forte. Yeah. And I thought I was, there was various points this year where he was really getting on my nerves, but I think he's really found his niche yeah. uh, in 2016. And I think he's done some really funny backstage stuff. I mean, WWE isn't often that funny. No, <laughs> <laughs> it should be. You think there should be more comedy and more humor on the show, and I'll, and when they try it, it often feels forced and manufactured yeah. and unnatural. And Jericho's got like really good comic timing. Yeah. No Owens can do this stuff. I mean, that guy, he is a funny guy. He yeah. can just do this stuff. So yeah, it's it's a really good partnership between the two. I would have preferred to see Sami Zayn and Owens just because it's um, you know Zayn's a guy, he's a young guy. He's, you know, on his way up. Jericho's been there. He's seen it and done it. But I have to say the Jericho wins partnership. It's it's looking good. I am also uh, excited to see what they can do. So this is, you know, this is a good, it's not it's not my first choice, but as a substitute, yeah, yeah I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying what I've seen so far. And I think it's going to be good from this point forward. And I think they can work together with the young guys like Enzo and Big Cass. Uh, and I think they can they can do a lot for the other talent as a team. Yeah, I'm just I'm really hoping that this is uh, for lack of a better like phrase right now is I'm hoping this is their team hell no, where this really just helps them get over with the crowd and just helps bona helps make Kevin Owens like a bona fide star like tell no did for Daniel Bryan that really helps him get over, 
get really popular with the crowd. I'm hoping that this team does that for Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree, yeah. yeah. I still think every time I see Big Cass's big boot, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that, sorry? Big Cass's big boot is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Yeah, quite right, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, I think they're, they're a good combination of Cass and Enzo. We've never seen a combo like that before, I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the fans like their, you know, the, the channel long stuff. I mean, that's always goes down great. Yeah. Enzo brings great energy to the role. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with Owens and Jericho at SummerSlam. I think it'd be a good match. I think it'd be very well received. Obviously, it's in Brooklyn, so that's near to Enzo yeah. and Cassie's uh, hometowns, or at least their storyline hometowns, so I'm sure they'll get a great pop on the night. Yeah, This might be controversial, but I think now I'm done with the uh, there's only one word to describe you catchphrase. Really? Because every time Big Cass says it now, it feels so forced. He has to go and cut it, and, and I'm going to approve that on SummerSlam, there's yeah. only one word. It's, it feels a bit forced now. They've got to shove it into every single pro every single promo they do with, without without fail because it's their catchphrase and they've got to sell the mugs and they've got to sell the t-shirts I mean I guess so but that hasn't really changed from NXT that's, yeah. that's always yeah, been maybe, maybe it's just like I've just grown tired of it it's, just probably, something it's probably because you're always miserable about everything <laughs> <laughs> that could be it that could be it <laughs> Yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, I always remember back in like late 99, 2000, when The Rock was was really becoming like huge star, and he would change his catchphrases before they got old, yeah. uh, and that was something that he was very mindful of, and you look back on it and you think, wow, why have you just changed the catchphrase when that was getting over? And it's because he wanted to do something different before the catchphrase became sales. Yeah. So that's, the, yeah, I think they could do with uh, mixing it up a bit and coming up with some different uh, uh, some different uh, catchphrases uh, for the fans' entertainment before yeah. people are no longer chanting along with them. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a good thing to do. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I still love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after that opening match, there was a backstage segment uh, with Mick Foley, like I said, on the phone to Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. And I thought this was really bizarre. Sasha Banks goes up to him and says that um, yeah. he doesn't like. She doesn't like the idea of Dana Brooke being there at ringside. Yeah. So Mick Foley in like. Sasha Banks actually said she doesn't like the idea of Dana Brooke being at ringside so make it a handicap match Sasha actually said make it a handicap match at SummerSlam so I can keep an eye on Dana Brooke also how does the title change hands in a handicap match I assume it would have just been Charlotte winning either way that doesn't make sense yeah I I thought this whole thing was really bizarre Um, Mick basically says that it'll be Sasha versus Dana Brooke tonight if Sasha wins Dana's banned from Windside if Dana wins then it's a handicap match how can you have a handicap match for a single title like it's baffling to me. Yeah, very. It was a very odd decision. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. I, I. I didn't get it at all either. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's just one of those things where they always make the good guys on the show, like they try and make them look really brave, but they end up just making them look really stupid. <laughs> like it's like when Dolph Ziggler. Like I actually ended up liking it last week, but when Dolph Ziggler's like, I'll put my title shot on the line. I'd be like, hell no, I've, I've earned my title <laughs> shot. I've earned my title <laughs> shot at SummerSlam. I don't need to prove myself to you. So they, they try and make the good guys look really brave and like, oh, I'll overcome any odds, but it just makes them look a bit stupid. Your solution end. is just to make them look like pussies instead. No, smart people. There's a difference. <laughs> um, yeah, after that, there was another absolute classic between Braun Strowman and the local jobber. Um, yeah, I still love I love these local jobber things. I yeah. still think it makes it makes the uh, talent look amazing without damaging any of WWE's yeah. talent. Mm-hmm. It was a it was 
bit weird because this one got an entrance. Like they started yeah. in the back with a with a backstage. Uh, Ron Strowman came out first. Yeah. Then the interview was backstage where Byron said to him, "Why are you competing this week?" And he was just silent. He was just silent. He just looked terrified. It was pretty brilliant. Um, yeah, Braun Strowman just crushed him. I love. Oh. I love when he done his big like bear. Bare clothesline thin yeah, yeah. on the outside. I love the reverse clothesline. Uh, not re- sorry, reverse chokesline. I don't think I've ever seen it before, but it, looks it really just cool. makes so yeah, much yeah. sense. I'm, <laughs> the more and more I see these like these matches that he's having, these squash matches, I'm really hoping they use this as a way. Like one week, they have someone face up against Braun Strowman and he beats him, mm. and that's like a new way of like debuting someone on the main roster. Someone who, he beats Braun Strowman against all the odds, and then he becomes a part of the roster. That won't happen. But it won't happen. happen. <laughs> I, I can dream. Well, that's what they did with uh, One Two Three Kid, wasn't it? Yeah. You beat Razor Ramon back yeah. in '93, so that was that was something that made the kid you know huge star back then. That was a, I mean, let's face it, it's 23 years since they did that angle. They can, you know, enough time has elapsed that they can do that one again, and it will work. Yeah. Uh, the only problem with Braun is, yeah, he's doing these squashes. Problem is. When it gets to the point where he's got to do competitive matches, that's yeah. when it all falls apart. Yeah. You know, very much like I'm sure this was before your time, but you're probably aware of it. Uh, Sid Vicious in WCW in 1989, he was the squash match king. He had these incredible squash matches. You're like, this guy's going to be a huge star. You got, I mean, there's a particular one you must have seen against a guy called Lee Scott, who ended up as a referee. One of the greatest squash matches you'll ever see. Mm. Uh, and Sid just looked incredible in it. But then he had to start doing give-and-take yeah. competitive matches. And that's when things fell apart. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Braun. But, yeah, I'm enjoying the squash matches. It breaks things up. Uh, it, it's, it's a change of pace. Um, and that's something that, you know, when you look back at Raw for so many years, it just had this same formula over and over. So they have made a conscious effort to change things uh, so that, you know, it's not the same thing over and over. There are different elements to the show, which, you know, I certainly endorse. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very funny that you mentioned the one, two, three kids uh, match because they actually showed that during this the show. There was like a weird trailer for this new Ben-Hur movie and they showed the one, two, three kid beating Razor Ramon and it was like a weird tie into the new Ben-Hur movie. Oh, was, 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 was that an advert for the for the Razor Ramon Blu-ray? Was it an advert for that? It could be. It might have been Sky Sports messing up because it went from that and it it came up in this corner, Ben Hur, and it it was just very strange. It might have just been Sky Sports messing up, but it was very peculiar. Right. Hmm. It, it was something that stood out to me during more. <laughs> it was just very strange. Were, uh, you'll probably be right, actually. Now I think about it, he has got a Blu-ray coming out. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's very uh, strange. It yeah. wasn't some JBL nonsense of like this Ben Hur movie is just like yeah. <laughs> that is quite a coincidence. <laughs> yes, um, I am not a look at Braun Strowman though. I know obviously he's just watch well, actually great. I don't. Know, I see a lot of uh, potential of him being like a big monster to come because there's one thing that we currently lack. I think for the futures is a big monster. Because I mean, I mean, we've got Lesnar, but he's like once or twice a year. He's forty-five. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean for the future. Like, when we look, we've got yeah. David. Um, sorry, Bella. Um, Owens, Zane, but amazing wrestlers. But you still, I still think you need that super freak, superhuman yeah, yeah, the guy. Sort of big Show, Mark Henry. Right? Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like you can feel that void. I like, I like what he's definitely got a great look. He's de- yeah. he, he's definitely got that going down for him. We'll just have to see if he yeah. he can back it up. Not, I'm not saying he's got to, you know be Kurt Angle in the ring, <laughs> but be serviceable in the ring. Well, that's yet to see in my yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's just got to be able to put that give-and-take match together. And if you can do that, yeah, they can do something with him. But, I mean, right now, that doesn't seem like they're rushing it and they're just going to do this, and it's working. And as long as it's working, they should keep yeah. doing it. I'd put it this way. I'd say he definitely looks better than, like, you know, Giant Gonzalez or the Great Carly. <laughs> he's definitely already a step above those kind of giants that they try to bring in. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely agreed, yeah. yeah. So, fingers crossed. Um, there was another backstage segment after that. Mick Foley is struggling with his oh, iPad. Oh, um, God, yeah. Puff Daddy came on and got yeah. booed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Um, then the New Day came on, and I became really conscious this week about how much the New Day just advertise. Yeah. Like, it was, I don't know why. It's, it's not been. It's, they didn't do anything different this week than they have been well, doing. It's because the booty out is this actual serial now, which yeah. is what. Now it's an actual advertisement for a serial. And now he's got to be constantly <laughs> advertising his YouTube channel and all that stuff. It just like really hit yeah. me like, wow, these guys are just a marketing <laughs> tool. <Yeah. laughs> I also don't understand with WWE, when they always bring musicians on, they always bring on musicians that most wrestling fans don't like. <laughs> like they, they, I, mean, I, I mean, I personally love Machine Gun Kelly, but most wrestling fans don't <laughs> I mean I, just, I'm not really in tune with like the charts and stuff either but is Puff Daddy still a thing well he's he owns a label that's right. bad the last, literally the last time I remember seeing him was in Getting to the Greek that is literally <laughs> the last time I remember actually thinking about P Diddy for a while and even then even in Getting to the Greek that was sort of oh wow do you remember him <laughs> yeah <laughs> Look, even just apart from that, I, I, I'm, I know they have to do them because it's obviously good press for them to have these celebrities on the show. Yeah. But in this new era, it was really a shame to see these celebrity angles still. But even, even when you do like, say, most wrestling fans don't listen to rap music. Yeah. But well, it's a big name, isn't it? It's a big name. Yeah. I suppose it's people. They probably it probably made some news. P Diddy, P Diddy, up on Raw. Isn't he? Doesn't he have something to do with the music on the forthcoming video game? Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it? The producer. That's yeah. So that that must have been why I was there. Also, the thing about Machine Gun Kelly, the pro- the problem with Machine Gun Kelly was that they had him out there endorsing John Cena. So that was why fans were booing him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but so. he he did take a yeah. power bomb. I've got a massive off the stage through a table from Kevin Owens, which is awesome. more than any other. Like, you see, if you if you go to Machine Gun Kelly concert, like he's he's mental. So it does not surprise <laughs> me at all. But that. that's the thing; it always makes me sick when you see like Hugh Jackman come on and floor Damian Sandow. Yeah, and it's like, oh come on. But when you see a celebrity taking it from a wrestler. You get respect from You get respect. Did he come into the ring at all in the show? I can't even remember if PD was in the ring. No, I think this was it. I think this, this was his entire it. involvement. So, the guest host of Raw uh, so did a backstage least, segment about an iPad. I'll try and be positive. At least they kept it short. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Because usually these things drag on and on and on. Do you remember it was a few years ago they had that one, I can't remember who they were, but there was these two uh, older women uh, who were uh, like talk show hosts in America. And the segment went on for a fortnight. <laughs> and at least they kept this short. They kept his appearance sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really a fan of, uh, of Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or whatever he calls himself these days. Yeah. So, yeah, it was short and sweet. I, I've got to say, I, I thought he came across quite well. Sometimes these celebrities, it's excruciating because you just know they don't want to be there. And you can tell that they're sort of, you know, it's, they think the whole thing's beneath them. Yeah. Uh, and for me, he seemed like he actually enjoyed being there. So, you know, he went up in my estimations for that. <laughs> yep, fair enough. After that, uh, Titus Hill versus Darren Young. Uh, the rematch that everyone was asking for from last week's Monday Night Real. Um, yeah. Can I just say something here? Yeah, I thought last week, I thought Titus really, really showed me something last week with that heel turn. 
I thought it was like, wow, this guy's actually showing some, you know, vim here. He's showing some pep. He's showing some spark. There was some and, he, and he just got beaten very easily by Darren Young. I mean, I know Young was holding the tights, but it just felt like they just... You just shut O'Neill down. It sounded like they both sort of turned as in yeah, like, yeah, Tyson sort of oh, he, done a cheat, he cheated to win. Maybe he's, then Darren Young cheated to win. And he also yeah, and he also cheap-shotted him last week. And yeah. then at this pay-per-view, he logged in the chicken wing outside the ring and that was yeah. like a weird moment. I don't know where they're heading with yeah. this. It's like really strange. <laughs> Bob Backlund was facing the other direction when he got the pin, the tights for the roll-up. So Bob Backlund hadn't realised that he cheated. So that could be the whole thing, that Bob Backlund thinks he's a straight shooter and he's yeah, winning all his matches fairly and he's a goody two-shoots and he's going to find out one he's going to look over the wrong way one day and he's got his legs on the yeah. that could be an interesting story then, I suppose I just, I just really don't care right? <laughs> I just can't get into it I don't like any of them Bob Backlund's doing my nothing right? <laughs> I love Bob Backlund I, I still enjoy seeing Bob Backlund on my TV screens it, to me it just felt like the end you know it just felt like it just felt like they were just drawing a line under it, you know, after they had something last week, and it's just like, right, okay, yeah, uh, we've let, we've ticked that box, draw a line, let's just move on. And, yeah, uh, just yeah it didn't, didn't really feel like it was going anywhere, it just felt like it was like, you know, hit a, it was like a, a one of those cul-de-sac angles, you know, <laughs> storylines, which is like, where where do we go now? Nowhere, it's a, it's a dead end. Like the love quadrangle from last year with um, um, Dolph Ziggler and all that that just sort of disappeared. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's WWE, they get cold feet all the time and they just drop angles that they they don't think are working. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. It's a bit quick, for, even for WWE, <laughs> after one week to be like, nah. But, uh, we'll have to see. I, I, I can't say I'm that interested at the moment. Yeah, I think that's probably, it probably yeah. is our pre-show match, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so much How about you just get rid of the Titus and Darren Young stuff and just have Bob Backlund on a chair in the ring and that, I'll be fine. I'll be, <laughs> just let me watch Bob Backlund for 20 minutes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so we had Seth Rollins next, didn't we? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's uh, ranting away, he's claiming that he's going to beat Finn Balor for the Universal title at SummerSlam. So I felt like this, I felt this interview went on a bit. I felt he was out there... And, you know, Finn, I believe he's over in uh, possibly going over to Australia early for the tour. Yeah. I really felt like it was like, why wasn't Mr. Devitt out there? Mm. He should have been there, in my opinion. And, um, Seth Rollins has just become like a reference machine. Yeah, yeah this was annoying. He came out last week and was just like Ghostbusters and all this stuff. Yeah, and I'm this week, worried, uh, he's Melissa McCarthy. This week he's like, hey, Suicide Squad just came out. Yeah. He, he literally <laughs> said that he was the Heath Ledger to... Finn Balor's Jared Leto. See, if he, is he going to kick this up every single week <laughs> and try and come up with a positive and a negative version of something relevant in the news? Yeah, it's it's like, well, you know, it's like the writers, well, we've got to make this current. We've got to keep yeah. up with what's going on right now. It's like, well, Ghostbusters, like, bombed. You know, <laughs> apparently, it's going to make a massive loss. And that Suicide Squad was absolutely panned, wasn't it, by the critics? Yeah, so I mean, it's like he's, he hasn't picked too many. You know, he's, he's picked these films that people have just sort of. I know Suicide, Suicide Squad has been a hit, but it's still something a lot of people are not happy with. So it's like, well, if you're going to choose the pop culture references, make sure the ones that people are really into and really like buzzing about. Yeah, uh, you're right. Though. This this segment did seem to go on for quite a while. I, I, don't, I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for Banner's music to hit. It just yeah, happen. that was disappointing. Not seeing it. Yeah. Yet. Uh, this reminded me more of a Seth Rollins promo from before his injury. Yeah. Because I think since he's been back, he's been very good on the mic. His promos have been all very entertaining, and I've liked a lot of his stuff since he's been back from injury. This reminded me, like you said, of like a promo from like you know when he was feuding with John Cena, where he had just drone on and on and on. 
so yeah, I do agree. This this wasn't terrible. I didn't. I did. I, I didn't like it. the part where he said um, Finn Balor isn't his real name. He like he made his yeah. name elsewhere, and that's the name that he chose when he came to WWE. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Completely disfavor the fact that he's got a different name now as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought they could have gone somewhere like that. that. Yeah, you know, with a little bit of self-deprecating humour there, but you know, that was just a, a, a step too far for WWE, wasn't it? You know, he, he could have they could have they could have worked something in there with you know, it's not even his real name, and or and he could have said, unlike me, my real name <laughs> is Seth Rollins. You know. <laughs> And I was like, well, why? You sh- that would have been a really funny thing there because everyone knows it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure why they didn't include that. Mm-hmm. Up next was another rematch from last week, Sheamus versus Cesaro. Yeah. So already they're going back to the old rule ways of just rematch after rematch of the same match and same match that you see on every single rule. Uh, I'm worried that this is going to be the new Ziggler-Owens, which happened a billion times. <laughs> um, they're, they're obviously going to have a match at SummerSlam, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, this, this was good. I think I, they I worked really good. well together. Yeah. I, 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 it's a match that on paper just works for me. Just Cesaro, Sheamus, it just sounds like a good matchup. I'm just hoping that they don't overdo it and you know it becomes one of those matches where I'm like, I start sighing when I see the graphic come up. And I'm just I'm seeing from something from Sheamus, like I said, that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Like he seems to be back on form again, which I like. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think these two just work really well. I mean, I mean I've, I've always been really quite critical of Sheamus because he's bored me a lot. But again, like... His title run I loved because he offered something different. Yeah. He had some good fire into him. And again, now I see that again, similar sort of fire when he had the title. And to me, he's very similar to Randy Orton, where if he doesn't care, it's the most boring thing in the world. But when he's when he's actually interested in doing something, he can give some great stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like Sheamus. This match was fine. Yeah. This was good. I, I think last week's was maybe better. Cesaro got a roll-up for the win. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree last week's was better. I mean, yeah, I just hope they're, they're not going to overdo it and... Yeah, and just be uh, we're going to be back into that situation where it's just going to be recycle and just like rematch after rematch um, but yeah I mean you know let's face it these two are really talented it's hard to imagine that they could have a bad match together really is it yeah yeah, exactly. but yeah it's similar for that, like I said Owen I mean, um, I Ziggler they always had a good match yeah, just, just like oh, you, look. You, got, you didn't care anymore after yeah. a while well, absolutely, yeah. And, and if there's no reason for it to happen, which is often the case in WWE, just, the match is just wheeled out there to fill time, then that's another reason for it not to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, then there was a video package about Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. It was quite weird that Brock Lesnar kept swearing and they kept bleeping it out. They did this, I remember this a couple of years ago, I think it was the feud against John Cena, mm-hmm. and it, again, he. I think they just scared to say bro, to Brock, please don't, bro, bro, this is for real, we can't swear. I think they just let him go on it and go, we, we don't want to tell him We'll censor it off. Yeah. <laughs> so he's sitting there saying, oh yeah, I, I just beat the shit out of people. Oh, yeah. Um, he does it a lot with these promos, he just, just starts swearing. Piss shit. <laughs> I liked it though, because it was like, yeah, I do like it. It, it, it makes him feel natural. different. It yeah. makes him feel like it's different because everyone else, you know, they mess around with their words. They try and you know PG up everything. It's, it's nice to see somebody just go out and go. I'm going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yes. Obviously, it's censored, but we all know what he says. Yeah, it's it it, it suits Lesnar's character because he wouldn't give a he wouldn't give a damn what people tell him to say. Yeah, so it makes sense for Lesnar's character to be swearing in these promos. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't mind it. Next up. Yeah, yeah, next up, uh, <laughs> well, a bit, bit of backstory. Before the show, they had announced that the Dudley boys were going to be face, facing uh, Neville and a mystery partner. 
So obviously, as soon as you mention a mystery part- partner or an open challenge angle, everyone's mind starts scrambling to every single possibility. Uh, it I, was the most. I called <laughs> this one. I genuinely predicted this one. Like as soon as I heard mystery partner, I don't know why. I didn't know. I didn't really make a prediction. I wasn't like, oh, it's going to be Kurt Angle. <laughs> I just just kind of be like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be another NXT call up? Is it going to be someone from injuries? Anyone on the injury list? It was Sin Cara. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it was Sin Cara, and um, and they uh, defeated the Dudley Boys. Uh, and the only real thing about the match of consequence was that Bubba Ray looked miffed afterwards yeah. with Devon because they like had a miscue in the ring. And then Devon was pinned. So, I mean, at least it did seem to set something up for the future. Are we going to see a split of the Dudley boys? I mean, I would have liked to, well, have, really I would have, liked to have seen uh, Bubba Ray Bully, you know, come in as a singles performer yeah, 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 rather than coming in as, as a nostalgia actor. So it does appear that we're going to have a split, which, which I think is a good thing. Cause, I mean, the Dudleys have done everything they can, let's face it. Yeah, yeah I'm 100% behind that. Yeah, I think I'd... Bully Ray's TNA Championship run was one of the best things I've seen him wrestling in a long time. Yeah, he, um, was, he was definitely like a highlight of wrestling at the time. He was definitely one of the things you wanted to tune into every week because he was just the best bad guy in the world at that point. He was just... The whole Carl Ziller stuff, which was amazing. <laughs> that whole Bully Ray run in TNA, that was... TNA don't have a massive selection of uh, massive accomplishments in their time. Unfortunately, they've got some. Bully Ray is definitely one of those big success stories at TNA where they did something right. And I was really disappointed because he... Do you remember... It was, was it two years he ago? He the Rumble, Rumble, Rumble And we was all like, oh, is this going to be the... Uh, his single run. Well, that was really bizarre, wasn't it? Because he came back at the Rumble, and, and then the next yeah. week he went back to TNA as a special guest referee for Dixie Carter. Yeah, and then he came back and to And then WWE. he came back to WWE again. Yeah. Uh, I think a Bully Ray single run would be good for us. It would be good for Bully Ray. It would spell the end of Devon, unfortunately. I think so. Yes. I don't think uh, Devon would really survive in the singles, uh, in the mid-card, especially overall, when he's, you know, with Kevin, Kevin Owens, Zane, Cesaro, Neville. Yeah. Uh, and the only other thing I'll say quickly is that I wish, if they are doing this and they are going to do a split, I wish he was on SmackDown, because I think SmackDown could really use somebody like Bully Ray to mm-hmm. kind of just solidify that card. Yeah. Definitely, I think he's somebody who could do. You could have a good little program with Dean Ambrose. I think you could really do something good with him. I mean, he could do a good program with Dolph Ziggler. There's loads of guys that he could do stuff with, and obviously, he would lose in the end. He's going to have no objection to doing that. But definitely, feel that you know he he could do some do a lot of good things as a singles player, and hopefully, we'll see that. We aren't seeing we aren't seeing Neville as as uh, Sid Carr detective, are we? Like you know, the only two cruiserweights on the cruiserweight division of Raw. They'll be teaming together. Is that, is that going to happen, or is that no. just a random one-off? I hope, I hope it's just a one-off. I don't think there was any mention this week of the Cruiserweight division, was there? They, 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 they did a yeah. promo again where they showed highlights of the Cruiserweight classic. Right, okay. Um, Must have missed that. Yeah, but that was it. It's the same video every yeah. week, and it? Same little... The only other thing I'll say is they made this big deal about splitting up uh, Sin Cara and Kalisto. They're both using the same theme songs here. I thought yeah. he would have gone back to his, his old, like, Whatever the the old yeah. like angel singing whatever it was theme song, but no, he's still using the lucha theme. So it's just a, something I'm, I noticed. Oh. Yeah, and plus, you know, they made the big deal about splitting him up, and here he was in a tag team match. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you clearly don't have a long term plan for this guy, do you, WWE? Um, the next segment was the longest thing I've ever seen on an episode of Raw. Um, it just went on forever. It was Rusev and Lana's sort of marriage. Oh, I hate weddings. 
you had, is there really much to say about this? They were having a wedding celebration. Roman Reigns came out, said he was going to be their best man, gave a speech, they ended up fighting. I mean, Lana ended up covered in cake. We we, uh, we give Roman Reigns a hard time, yeah, but on. he saved this segment for being the worst thing of all oh, time. Oh, am I in a safe place? You're in a safe place. I was going to like protect myself with a riot shield and say <laughs> I actually thought Roman Reigns did a really good job in this segment. I was shocked. He his, came out. His best man promo was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, he came out. He was. He, that's what Roman Reigns needs to be. He needs to be that slightly dickish, smarmy prick. Yeah, <laughs> which he was, which he was doing in this in this promo. Yeah. To me, this just solidified that he needs to turn heel because mm-hmm. he's obviously much better at all that being a prick stuff, <laughs> which just proves. Uh, and I thought he was funny here. He said uh, he called uh, Rusev the Bulgarian Sasquatch, and he called. Uh, Luke, Lana, uh, Mail Order Bride. I've seen a lot of people complaining about those lines on the internet. If The Rock came back and he said that to Rusev, everyone would go... And people, would go like bit, uh, people are little bitches, aren't they? They get yeah. offended by everything. Uh, ignore that. Ignore so, people. <laughs> I, I actually think Roman Reigns did a good job here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the highlight for me was where, where I thought the, the moment when Rusev crashed into Lana and then she took the bump into the cake. I thought that was really well done as well. And she was like, I've never seen somebody with more cake... <laughs> and sometimes that angle doesn't really work and sometimes yeah. uh, especially female characters they're so hesitant yeah. to really go the whole hog and she really, she put, really got she, in there you know, she went for it so yeah <laughs> and then afterwards and, and that set up the uh, Rusev versus Reigns match at SummerSlam just one thing I will point out about it is that when Reigns and Rusev started having the scrap in the ring and when Reigns made his comeback, there was some serious boos for Reigns. Yeah. Serious boos for him. That was something that I noticed. Which is last week, when Reigns came out to confront uh, him, were to confront Rusev, there was a lot of Roman chants. Yeah. I was. I understand that they were edited and like piped in. Um, How? There's got a few seconds, I know. Yeah, and you could like you can still yeah. overlay the audio, but... I don't know whether it that's just, just like conspiracy. Roman, Roman. <laughs> I don't know whether that's just like conspiracy yeah. theory stuff. Or my whatever. my idea was that he got cheered when he came out, and I thought it was just because people were like, "He's in the mid card, yeah, <laughs> we don't have to see him fight for the title anymore." Yeah, um, I, that's why I, I still think this is great for him, and I think it's yeah. great. this is where I think he that's should be. And I, I, he isn't bad. He isn't bad. He's not the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're going to put that on his DVD box like any t- when he has like his best of DVD. He isn't the worst, but he's not the worst. Yeah, I think this is going to make him like, grow. This will help him grow. This is where he should have been for a long time rather than falling down our throats. But they did this. They did this before, didn't they? They put him in the mid card and they gave him some matches. I still, I still, I still say like Reigns versus Bray Wyatt was not really considered a mid card match. If you don't, I, I, don't, I, just, I, know it was, I still just see him as lurking. I think. He's lurking. He's waiting. He's I think waiting he's waiting. I think he's waiting with the United States Championship until people stop hating him, and then they're just going to make him world champion again. Do you know and what the hate's going to come back. I just see it happening in waves again and again. Do you know what they're going to do? What you want to just brace yourself? <laughs> he's going to come out after SummerSlam with the United States Championship and go. Seth Rollins was heavyweight champion, and no, champion he's going to he's going to do an Austin Aries, and he's going to say, "If I." I'm introducing option B <laughs> where if you win da, 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 you can cash in your United States Championship for a world championship shot like the uh, what's it called the the chop prize of the gods the gift of the gods in Lucha Underground the championship that's also a money in the bank then yeah oh god don't yeah. say that <laughs> hopefully not hopefully they'll have the sort of sense to to leave Keep in there away. for a little while <laughs> 
Um, let's see if he can get over. Also, don't forget he's being punished this time. He's being punished. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't have that because give it someone a US title if he wins. He was still a first he's, round sorry. draft pick. And what? he's getting a championship. I yeah. don't really think that's a great punishment. Yeah. He would have been picked first if he wasn't. If he did, if that drug suspension didn't happen, he would have won at Battleground. He would have been the first draft pick. He would have been the overall first draft pick. And if you say that the United States Championship isn't a punishment, have you seen what that has done for some people's careers? <laughs> like in the last few... Like obviously, like, if you go way back, obviously it meant a lot of stuff. John but, Cena's but recently, name. apart from Cena... Yeah, look what he done for look, the look, yeah. Are you going to say that it wasn't... I still think it's still, still a title. You don't punish people by giving them titles. Yeah. I think when it's someone like Roman Reigns, you kind of do. Because it's a massive step down for what he was doing. I, I disagree. Hmm. Um, what was next? Sasha Banks versus Dana Brooke. Yeah. Um, this was the match that had the weird stipulation attached. Dana Brooke's not very good. Mm, yeah, it was sloppy match, wasn't it? There was, the t- there was a slap at the timing of a slap at the end where Charlotte was supposed to slap Sasha, but Sasha moved too early and then she slapped Dana and it just looked rotten. <laughs> and, uh, and then they set up Sasha Banks' finish and that looked a bit iffy as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Sasha won. So yeah, very strange stipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really understand it at all. Uh, and the pay- And the match itself was, well, probably best forgotten, really. Mm-hmm. It was a nice change of pace, though, to see something go wrong in one of these matches and it not technically be Dana Brooks' fault. It was somebody <laughs> else's fault this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose that's a good point. It was, it was nice to see a Sasha Banks match where she didn't land on her yeah, face outside the ring as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's taken some... She has taken some bad bumps, hasn't she? She really has, and you yes. do worry for her. So is Big E. He, that, I think they just need to stop these poxy outside... Suicide. Leave them for special occasions. Don't completely ban them. But in, on a Monday Night Raw match, does it have to be? Does there have to be a suicide dive in every match? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was one of the things I think that really um, a lot of people found quite tedious about the Usos is that they would always do that yeah. double dive, and it's just like you don't have to do that in every match. You know, it's like that should be a high spot you say for special occasions, yeah. not for every TV match. <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, then there was the Finn Balor video package. This was I my favourite thing about Raw. This was my favourite thing. I love this. This is, this is just. I love that since they picked him, they've made Balor just like a complete superstar. Yeah. I, I'd say they're doing more to completely build up this Demon character and make it feel like a special thing. They've done more to do that than NXT did in his whole yeah. time there. Because the pro- my problem with Finn Balor's Demon character on NXT was. It wasn't that different. There was no. nothing. It was, it was only the, it was it the was, entrance. It was and just the, him yeah. with paint. Yeah. And then when the match started, it was no different, really. So them actually building it up as this big thing, that really bodes well for Finn Balor. I think he's got a lot of people behind him. Mm-hmm. That summer slam, summer slam entrance, I'm so excited. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, this was a really good... Where they talked about like the history of Ireland and all the mythology behind yeah. that um, and what his name actually means. Yeah. Stuff. It was just really cool to see. I forgot the... Sorry, I just want to quickly mention the funny line that Seth Rollins said earlier. He said, oh, he just took one half of his name from one place and one half of his name from the other place. That'd be like if I called myself Rambo Apocalypse. <laughs> that got a laugh out of me. I just want to quickly mention that. Um, but yeah, I'm always so fed up with the promos <laughs> on Raw being the same thing every single week. So it was so nice to see something different. It was unique. Uh, and I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was well done as well. I would, still would have liked to have seen him on the show. Yeah, uh, but it was you know it was a good video, and yeah, I think it really a lot of people will really be uh, anticipating the uh, appearance 
of uh, Finn as the demon at SummerSlam. I mean, let's he's telegraphed it. That's going to happen. We know that. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Well, just a quick mention. I don't know if it was here that they mentioned it or if it was a little bit later, but we'll just talk, talk about it now quickly. They showed a graphic uh, t- teasing something on next week's Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins is going to call out the demon. Yeah. I'm really worried that they're going to give away the demon reveal on Monday Night Raw. No, they won't. Nah, they're not going to do that. You think there's going to be... I hope Kane comes out or something. (laughs) Not that demon. (laughs) 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 No, I I think they'll save that moment for SummerSlam. Yeah, I I hope this next week there's just like... There'll probably be like the lights will go off and there'll be some weird thing on the screen or something. Have have they announced the main event of SummerSlam yet? Well, it's it's, it's either going to be Orton... What, what do we Lesnar. all think it's going to be? I think it's going to be Orton Lesnar. I think it's, ba- I think it's going to be Bella Williams. I also think that. I think because it's the Monday Night Raw, it's the flagship show, it's a new title, Seth Rollins is their boy, I think they're going to want to make this title feel special right away. They're not going to want to put it in the, like, down in the, in the, down in the, in the mid-card. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, 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 mean, I, I, I think it's probably going to be Orton versus Lesnar, but I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, Sometimes in WWE, they're changing the format up until the day of the show. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Mm-hmm. I also think the fact that, like I mentioned about Reigns earlier, Lesnar, the whole drug stuff, I know they're not technically punishing him with suspension or anything. I can see him being pushed down the card a little bit because of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's going to be better ones, to be fair. Fair enough. Um, and then back-to-back pre-tape video packages. Yes. There was the amazing Dr. Luke Gellows and Dr. Carl Anderson. I love this post-artist so thing. I say, show WWE ain't, ain't often funny, but this was hilarious. And yeah. We know Carl Anderson and Luke Gellows can be really funny, especially together. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember seeing, like, I listened to a podcast, I can't remember whose it was, Colt Cabana maybe? But uh, he'd done one with uh, Luke Gellows and uh, Carl Anderson, and they're just nuts. <laughs> and so it's good to see them work together and show their funny side. Yep. Yeah, oh, absolutely, and great to see Big Big E out as well, selling someone actually selling something yeah. for a week. How's about that? Amazing. <laughs> you know that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. In Do you remember when uh, Dean Ambrose was it? He got like his neck got crushed or something by like the yeah, steps by, or something by Brock Lesnar, and didn't he? Well, he, he just showed up the next week. Literally, the next, I think it was against Bray Wyatt. Like he smashed his oh, yeah. like head on the steps. Or it was like something really bad. Where they spoke, they said that he had like massive problems with his neck. And he showed up next week beating up Bray Wyatt. Or I thought he was going to say when he drove the ambulance into the arena, like on the same right. episode of Raw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean the uh, the uh, commitment to selling it's um, it's it's lackadaisical yeah. at best. But I mean, at least this week Big E was out for a week, so that was you know let's give him props for that. Yeah, it's a bit of a lost art, isn't it? I think the last time that happened was like Triple H when. Well, he's still not back, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I always appreciate good testicle pants, so I really enjoyed this. When they pulled out the jar with the eggs in it, yeah, that, said, that just crazy. ask Big E, that, that got me. <laughs> um, and then that led to Kofi Kingston versus Dr. Luke Gallows. Is, did they call him Dr. Luke Gallows? They, did, is that they, his new they name? both came out in their, um, their little <laughs> uniform things. This was very, very short. This yeah, lasted was... about 30 seconds, I would say. And it ended in a really weird way. Like, it wasn't like a big move that finished it. It was literally just like a flapjack that finished it. Just a yeah, It was rude. definitely weird to see Kingston lose so easily, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after the match, uh, Gallows and Anderson, they go to uh, do the same thing to Kofi with the ring post. Uh, they grab him, they go to do it. Uh, Xavier Woods comes over and he, like, sh- 
like gets them to go away with a chair. He smashes the chair against the thing and they scatter. Yeah. Uh, so I take it, Xavier. This is weird. Like, one thing that I still, as much as I'm, I'm happy with the brand spear and he's doing the right things and whatever. It's still weird that one week he was meant to be getting like possessed and shit, and now he's just yeah. like that's because they, compl- they completely forgot about it. Like, if we expected to forget that he won't just possess. I guess he got over that in the match show, didn't he? Because he was like really on the verge of it, and then he snapped out of it, and then he. Oh, so. but I'm more worried about the fact that that story has had no end. Like it just like that feels like the halfway point of a feud. Like Xavier Woods, like he tries to overcome it, but then he can't. He loses the match for the New Day. You think the New Day are going to come back? He's going to have a rocky montage. He's going to come <laughs> back and he's going to beat the New Day. And he's going to. He's going to. I guess the brand split. Yeah, that's it. I think the brand split fucked up a lot of fans for WWE. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't understand it at all. I mean, they had something set up there that could have been something really good, and then yeah, it just yeah. sort of ended, and you know, just once again a, a storyline. And the thing that got me about the you know the swamp match, the uh, the match on the uh, Wyatt family's yeah uh, whatever what what did they call it the when it was on the wire the property <coughs> compound <coughs> wasn't it or something I like compound, <coughs> I like compound. New day. I mean it must have cost a hell of a lot of money to set all that up and to film that and edit it and it just achieved nothing it was just like what is this it was as if it really was WWE's tribute to the final deletion yeah. it was just <laughs> just perplexing the, the storyline everything about it and you say, well, the brand split screwed things up. Well, they knew about the brand split months in advance. It's not like yeah. it was something that was just thrust upon them from out of nowhere. So they could have pre- could have prepared for it and set things up. But, you know, hey, WWE doesn't do that that often these days. <laughs> now that you mentioned it quickly, what were your thoughts on the, on the final deletion? Yeah. Oh, let's not talk about that. We'll be here all day. I, I thought it was... I thought it was... It was... Thumbs it up, thumbs it was a sort of. It was you couldn't take it seriously. Um, lots of people saying, "Well, this can't, how can this exist with um, other things that TNA are doing?" But to me, the Hardy property was like its own little world, its own planet, yeah. detached from TNA or semi-detached from TNA. Maybe they had like a little walkway between the two little pla- between the two worlds. <laughs> So, like, you couldn't really judge it by the same standards. Um, so, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, I mean, I think the Matt Hardy character is a bizarre invention, but it's something that's very memorable. Yeah. That's the only thing that's really sort of disappointing is is sort of the follow-up. You know, where were they going to go next? It's sort of, in a way, it sort of reminded me a little bit of an Anita match from the 90s when he was in his prime in FMW. And it would all lead to a big, you know, barbed wire bombs match, and that would end, and the feud would end. But then Anita would have something else set up. So I'm not really sure what TNA is going to do next. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the best things I've ever seen in wrestling. So I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, but I think I saw like, a little clip from TNA where like Matt Hardy just like bit a fan and threw. A, it was really funny. They literally just bit him on the throat. Like, obviously, it was a plant, but still. Hmm. I like, I'd like to imagine it wasn't a plan it's just some random guy <laughs> <in some laughs> <bias>. yeah. <laughs> I mean it was I mean when you think about it how I mean how fertile must their minds be to have come up with that I mean yeah. it was it was in a, the amount of imagination that must have gone into it and effort and, you know and, and, and the editing as well of the match mm-hmm. uh, it was it was quite something to see a hell of a spectacle yeah. uh, but you know where's it all going you know that's yeah. that's really the, the the question that i would have for it so but as a as a standalone sort of well it was the end of a, a lengthy program so standalone is completely erroneous but as um as as a spectacle i enjoyed it 
and really when you look at the feud you'd had like the um the match the i quit match where uh jeff had done the swanton onto matt and that was when matt became broken matt hardy and then they'd have the full metal mayhem match then they had the cage match so it was a sort of natural sort of uh, in a way, conclusion was like, how were they going to top Full Metal Mayhem in a cage match? We had the final deletion. So in many ways, the psychology of it was good because it just kept building and building and peaked. So in many ways, it was good, but it was like, in other ways, it was like, well, this was so over the top that what does TNA do now? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so maybe going a completely different direction. That's what a good booker would do. Yeah. Well, we yeah. talked about some good comedy with uh, Doc and uh, sorry, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. I call him Doc. Well, um, <laughs> uh, onto some awful, awful comedy. Yeah, unfortunately, with Golden Truth. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about. Do you remember when we said Golden Truth was quite good? That was yeah. a long time ago. We were young. We Daniel, were you're so you're so miserable, Daniel. Why do you hate <laughs> Golden Truth? They're so funny. <laughs> No, they're not. <laughs> oh, yeah, this. Let's not dwell too long on this. Golden Truth. We're talking with Scooby Doo. Yeah, this says it all, right? Again, to me, this was just going back to like Raw from 2011, where they'd have all these terrible comedy segments. I mean, I think stuff like this is designed for kids. But honestly, I can say that I don't know any kids, no cousins, no, no nieces, no was... nephews, or anything like that that would genuinely enjoy this. I could show this to anyone of funny. my younger family members, yeah. and they'd turn it off. Nothing happened. It was just golden fruit talking to Scooby Doo, <laughs> like it was a normal <laughs> thing. Like, our truth did, did get a bit lemon with him, though. He's a bit uh, upset with him, He's trying to take his tag team partner away. Uh, We've talked about this with far too. And now you'll go and get some Scooby snacks. Yeah, I don't have a scoby when I've done this, but you know. Fucking hell, <laughs> <laughs> Right, anyway, next, uh, Mick Foley. Yeah, was the big, quote unquote, main event bit this whole segment was. Uh, Mick Foley came out to the ring, said he'd invited Daniel Bryan out. Daniel Bryan comes out, gets a massive pop. Um, they have a back and forth conversation, um, some really weird stuff. It's absolutely pointless, this whole segment. I did like the bit where um, Mick Foley said, well, what about what you said about me and talking smack and then played the video of Daniel Bryan taking the piss out of the Universal Championship and Daniel Bryan was sort of like, oh, it's just bants, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, I definitely, that was an interesting thing to see, you know, those two together. Uh, when it, you know, it was like they were all exchanging pleasantries, mm-hmm. and then it just sort of turned. Yeah, and that was that was at least. And you think, well, where's this going? What's the point of this with them like mutual appreciation society? And then at the end, there they showed that little clip of him. I think Brian referred to it as was it Milky Way Championship or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So that was quite, you know, at least it had a purpose. But yeah, it went on and on. Just felt like shameless filler. And then that led us to the main event. Rusev came out and Cesaro was out again. He's like, hang on a minute. (laughs) Hasn't Cesaro already been on this show? I couldn't believe that like Cesaro was then in the main event after wrestling earlier on the show. It's like, come on. And we wonder why there's so many injuries that (laughs) keep playing in WWE. Maybe because they guys guys keep on the full double duty. Yeah, like they already had Rusev's massive wedding celebration. Cesaro already had a match. Like, is the roster that thin that they've got to just recycle guys that quick? Also, you think Rusev would be a bit more angry about the fact that his wife is just... Like his, the whole what, the wedding celebration was really backstage. Just <laughs> I don't even think he mentioned it during this. Yeah, no. Or if he did, it was in a very passing comment. He hardly ever meant. He hardly mentioned the fact that his whole wedding thing was just. He was, he was just like, wait here, honey. I've got to go suck up to Mick Foley. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it was an okay match. I mean, you know, they're both, both really good. I mean, Rusev's yeah. a real talent, and Cesaro, as, as we've already said, is as well. But it just felt like, well, we've already seen these guys on the show. We don't, to me, I didn't really need to see them again. Yeah. And we had like a, a ref bump. Uh, we had a run-in from Sheamus. Then we had oh. a ref bump. Then we had a thumb-to-the-eye finish. It was like, come on, it was like going back to the 80s. With it, all it was extras. Really book, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like going back to Dusty Rhodes booking, you know, all <laughs> these extras because no one's allowed to do the job. You yeah. know, and then Reigns, and then after uh, Rusev won by pinfall, then Reigns comes out and spears Rusev. And I, to me, it just felt like, it felt like a bit of a flat segment, you know. It yeah. felt like a really, actually, very flat segment. That was also something very weird. Sorry, again, I forgot to mention in the Sheamus-Cesaro match, Sheamus, there was a ref bump, and Sheamus pinned Cesaro, and it was the famous good guy spot, where the good guy gets the pin, one, yeah. two, three, but there's no ref. So it was weird to see the heel get that spot over the over the good guy. At the yeah, time. good point. Absolutely. And also, to see a ref bump... You know, in that match featuring Cesaro and yeah. in another match, <laughs> talk about recycling. <laughs> Maybe they've stopped the distraction roll-ups that they did for about four times every single show <laughs> of like a year ago. And now it's going to be ref bumps in every single match. I remember well, well, we had one of those in SmackDown in the Becky Lynch match, you know, with her paralyzed, you know, and paralyzed when Eva Marie came out. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but we had that one where the, where the baby face just stands there. You know, slack jawed, paralyzed, then loses. It's like, come on, stop making your baby faces look like look like buffoons, you know. But that's another WWE favorite, isn't it? <laughs> I think it was a battleground. Um, I believe it was Darren Young hit one of the referees, and the commentary team said, "Oh, he's going to get a big fine for that." I remember I was like, "Wow, that's amazing commentary work! Like, that's incredible that they've actually mentioned something like that." And then this week, you've just got referees flying left and right, <laughs> just getting fucking taken out by everyone. So referee tornadoes, <laughs> and they're just just like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> ah. So overall, thoughts on Raw? Uh, uh, this is the worst one post-draft. Yeah. yeah. It, like, the first episode of Raw since the draft, it, that was amazing. That, that was, was like one of the, my favourite Raws I've seen in a very long time. All killer, no filler. As yeah. Say. The oh. one after it was uh, okay. It was good, I suppose. This one I thought was pretty bad. I thought this was just like, it was just standard warfare for Raw. Yeah, 2011 Raw. Yeah. Which I... I keep saying because it was that was a terrible period for real. <laughs> this was just all filler stuff and just stupid comedy with Golden Truth and just they wasted the Daniel Bryan stuff. I'm sorry, but the the general managers from both shows coming together on one segment should be a they big deal. They didn't even discuss really the main issue. Really discuss that's, anything. That's the thing as well. They have the general managers from both brands coming together like two weeks after the brand split. Isn't that yeah. something that you save for like yeah. months or maybe and like a year down the line? There was one show where the where the uh, rosters were kept split, and then the second show Randy ran in, and it was already they were already messing around with yeah. both rosters. Uh, Jinder Mahal is already not on Raw. He's already on like the Superstar oh, God, and stuff. Oh God, I forgot it existed. So yeah. yeah, overall thumbs down for me. Wait, that's split. a good point. So Superstars and main event, they're split. One of them goes to Raw. One of them goes to SmackDown. Well, right. Which way? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't give less of a shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the the show as well. Just felt mediocre. Yeah, just like you know, it was just like you know, as you say, the the uh, the show on which Finn became uh, you know the Fatal Four Ways. Uh, that was the one the night after Battleground. That was a hell of a show. And last week's was pretty good as well. But this just felt like regressing to the bad old days and the bad old ways of just phoning it in and just really not 
attempting to make Raw as good as it could be. Yeah. And once you've just seen, once you've seen how good it can be, which we saw two weeks ago, it really sort of emphasizes just how, I mean, there was nothing on the show that was dire. It was just sort of missable, wasn't yeah. it? It was just sort of, you didn't really, like average, painfully average. There's really nothing on that show that you had to watch. Nothing on this week's Raw that you really had to watch. And the public agreed. Uh, it, the uh, rate, it drew uh, an average of 2.91 million viewers. Wow. I know the Olympics are on and everything, but obviously the Olympics have been on many times previously yeah. uh, <laughs> when Raw has been on. And that, that was like a rate for, that's a poor rating. A raw, absolutely rotten number, 2.91 million viewers. Obviously, the uh, Olympics did have an effect on the number, but that still has got to be setting some alarm bells off in WWE. Um, you know, I think, you know, must try harder. You know, it was, I think I'd give the show like a C minus, you know, must, uh, with the words must try harder <laughs> next to it. <laughs> Kind of reminds me of my old exam, uh, my uh, when I was at school back in the day. You know, must try harder, young Finley Martin. See me after class, Vincent Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was Raw. On to uh, the second show of the week. Uh, I was going to say Friday Night Smackdown. No. Smackdown Live is what they're calling it now. That needs to go. They need to stop saying every time someone mentions Smackdown, they have to stop saying Smackdown Live because it's the most forced thing in the world. We get what you mean. Say SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you can't do that because it's actually in the logo, isn't it? Yeah, it is. yeah. It's all it's 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 just one of those horrible marketing things. So when they have to say it every single time next week on WWE Battleground, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna win the title. It's just it feels so it's such a it's such a stretch when these people are saying these promos and they have to say SmackDown. It just like, makes it sound clunky, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, it's now normal for SmackDown to be live. And since Raw is live yeah. every week, and now it's normal for SmackDown to be live, it's not really anything exciting anymore, is it? Yeah. The fact that it's live. It's in, just now normal. In like six months' time, are they still going to be calling it SmackDown Live? That, it's, it's, just, it's just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, the show actually, this was like the first episode of SmackDown that didn't start off with the general managers, which was a yeah. nice change. Started off with Randy Orton walking into the arena, um... Add a little interview about his Brock Lesnar match. Uh, Del Rio comes in, and Del Rio said the one thing that I said: they need to stop saying Viperville. Yeah, because that sounds terrible. Like, Look, the thing about Suplex City was it was natural. Lesnar said it; he did. It wasn't scripted for Lesnar to say that. He just came out and he said it, and it clicked with the fans. It became a thing. Stop trying to make these catchphrases, WWE. And are they going to do it's this with every single opponent that he faces from now on? So, like, if they put him against, like, Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, it's going to be, like, <laughs> be like Bray Wyattsburg. Sister Abigail Valley. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was... They, were keep, they, were doing these, they keep doing these opening segments before the intro and stuff for SmackDown, yeah. which is a nice bit of a different format change. Um... I like the the small details that separate Raw and SmackDown. The one yeah. thing I, I don't think I've noticed it before this week. There's no ramp for SmackDown. It's all on a level. Isn't it? It's all level. Where Raw has like a like a ramp that goes down. SmackDown is all on one. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you who I do love, Mara Ranella. He's yeah, the best. He makes this show. Like, he's the best. Like as soon as he started, he's like. So it's talk about two pack because we were feeling that California love. <laughs> just, like he makes references that aren't like popular at that time. He yeah. just makes like the really old references and stuff like that. And I he, think he, 
I think there's a fine line between making the references and just going overboard. He's he does it perfectly. Yeah. Where JBL just go, you this reminds me of when West Ham beat Leicester City Maggle. <laughs> it just gets annoying. But Barrow uh, Ronello does it perfectly. He says something really funny. And just like he's not like say he's so like hokey, he just says silly things, which is amazing because he, he's yeah. cheesy, but he's cheesy in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's a great commentator. I mean, he's so smooth. I mean, you know, you just wish that you were as smooth as that guy, don't you? You know, I mean, he really and everything just sort of comes so natural. And when you do these podcasts and you think to yourself, "Wow, could that performance have been better?" Then you listen to listen to him. And you think, you know, wow, I wish I could talk like him. And it's live, of course. So it's not pre-taped. We know he's doing it live and he's not screwing up because, of course, it's Smackdown Live. <laughs> <laughs> um, the show kicked off with Bray Wyatt and Annette Rowan coming yeah. out. Um, they talked about Dolph Ziggler using the turnbuckle. Ziggler, uh, no, who came out? Dean Ambrose yeah. came out. Yeah, I thought this was weird. Uh, Dolph Bray Ziggler Wyatt came the victim. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler came out, walked past Ambrose, got into the ring. They started beating him down. Ambrose got into the ring, helped him out. Everyone ate a finisher. Yeah. Well, uh, what happened was uh, Dolph Ziggler went to, I believe he went to super kick Bray Wyatt, uh, yeah. and he accidentally super kicked Dean Ambrose. Yeah, Bray Wyatt like threw Dean Ambrose into yeah. the way out of the sister Abigail, which is quite cool to look at. It was a nice visual. Yeah. This to me was just like you know another one of those Wyatt promos where they just come out, they just go on forever. Just it was different though. Once they was playing that victim, like, that is weird. But I don't want to see that. I don't, don't want to see that. That's oh, what please I, don't hurt me. <laughs> it was I don't weird. want to see Bray Wyatt. It was that. weird him just like, yeah. being a bitch, really. I don't think he was though. I think he, it wasn't, it wasn't so much about, oh, look what he did to me. It was more about, look what I've turned him into. Like, look how yeah. desperate he is. He knows that he can't beat me, so he has to cheat. He didn't cheat, he just said cheat to me. He used a turnbuckle. Oh, yeah. I don't know why it wasn't a disqualification. Because Bray Wyatt pulled it, didn't it? Yeah, but he still hit. Yeah, he still, still pushed yeah, it. Oopsie daisy. I I if, 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 if Bray Wyatt sets a chair up in the middle of the ring and then Dolph Ziggler zigzags him onto it, it's still a disqualification. Oh, I'm not sure how that works. Unless the right, the, people, the, people have been disqualified for it before. You know, WWE are never consistent with anything ever. The ref probably didn't see it. That's probably what they'd say. The ref didn't see it. Um. Yeah, then they go backstage, have a little argument about what happened. Um, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon tell them that they're going to be teaming up. It's a tag team match player. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Derek Rowan are going to team up and they're going to play, face them. Yeah. Yeah. Was this where they were really like being dicks to Dolph Ziggler? Yeah, yeah. Daniel Bryan said to him, oh yeah, what was it you said last week? Oh yeah, screw you. Yeah, it was just... I understand it. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick to your boss, isn't it? It's yeah, but your boss isn't allowed to be a dick to you. Yeah, of course they are. Oh. If it's more so, it's the other way around. Boss is allowed to be dicks, and you're not allowed to be dicks to your boss. Pretty sure there's like workplace laws against that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're not going to go <laughs> yeah. into the, to the workplace laws of employment law. It's not like a Triple H that it weren't a fit working place, and not only like Seamus and CM Punk came out to save him. <laughs> Yeah, to me, it was it was just like standard WWE. We'll have this segment and we'll have this brawl and then that'll set up the main event. Just feels like, you know, we've seen it all before. Um, so, you know, not really very inspired. Obviously, Wyatt had lost to Dolph on last week's SmackDown. Um, you know, so you could s- sort of... It was something that just felt like we need to have this match to uh, to have this angle to create this match didn't really feel like something that was sort of natural it just felt very contrived to me yeah. and just very you know just like for so many times this year prior 
to the brand split. SmackDown was missable. There was nothing on the show that you really needed to see. Yeah. And this just felt like a, a repeat of that. Yeah. Uh, the f- first match was American Alpha versus... Um, two, two, two local, local guys. We should well, no, go lo- see you move them to SmackDown. The local guys are terrible. Like, on another level of bad. I mean, I know they're supposed to look weak, but one of the guys was like... Humongous. This was just like a really bizarre thing. Like, they came out for the match, and then yeah. the Ascension came out, then the Vaudrillons came out, and then, then the, the Hype Bros came out. Oh, God. As the Usos went, like, I'm. Like, I think the More so the Usos, because to me, they're like the second b- biggest team in oh, SmackDown. Yeah. It goes out American Alpha to me, and then the Usos, or some people probably say the other way, the other way around. Um, to me, it was weird not seeing the Usos, unless they're injured and I've not heard or something. I don't think they are. It was just weird that the Usos haven't been on... Have they been on SmackDown yet? No, they haven't. Uh, I haven't seen them. No, no, I, I don't think they have been either, no. Yeah. I, I think uh, the couple of things that struck me about it was American Alpha were out there against these jobbers. There's really no heat for the match. Then the Vault Villains, Hype Brothers and Ascension came out, not in that order. And then JBL on commentary mentioned that Daniel Bryan had said something about a tag team title on SmackDown about them creating a tag team title on SmackDown so JBL was just floating the idea that that might happen the thing that struck me was the Vaude villains have been treated like jobbers yeah the hype brothers are just like well we don't even really know anything about them all we know is that Zack Ryder's been treated like a jobber mostly and the essential are almost never on SmackDown ever because they're you know total Jobberville. Sorry to use the Viperville Jobberville. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I'm going to be. You're going to create a tag team title for these teams. Yeah. That's yeah. what that was. What I took from it. It's like this is this. Just don't mention anything about a tag team title on SmackDown until you have some teams that are over. Because you right now you haven't got any. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only good thing about this kind of brand split and then making tag team titles and having these kind of teams is they they're going to have to try and make these teams get over and they're going to have to try and make these teams work. The one that I'm excited for the most is obviously Breezango because I like uh, Fandango and I like Tyler Breeze a hell of a lot. Yeah. So I'm hoping this brand split. That's one of the things they're going to have to do. Is they're going to have to make these guys a thing. Putting them together was definitely like a stroke of genius. It was something that I never thought about, but as soon as it happened, I was like, yeah. The way they did it was really what? smart as well. They made it... I didn't see it coming. It was like Tyler Breeze was with Gold Dust and yeah. R-Truth was with Fandango and then they... I'm very mad. Well, mate. And then... <laughs> I remember Sorry. This. I remember And this. then, um, you know... It, they turned their backs on them and they became a team themselves and it, it seemed like it was structured it wasn't exactly Trent Seven and uh, Pete Dunn telling on their well, no, but partners was, but it was uh... one thing I wanted to mention about this match quickly before the match uh, you mentioned a little while ago about the Smackdown and Raw just little changes to make it feel more fresh I love how when people are coming out on Smackdown you have like the little like tail of the tape on the next right, to the uh, yeah. when they're coming down to the ring it just makes again it just makes it feel a little bit different from yeah. Raw I love how I mean this is getting have a day but even Marie's one just like yeah, she's been on Total Divas. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me that you never saw? You were you being serious there when you never saw the uh, the Tyler Breeze and Fandango partnership coming together? You must have been kidding there, right? I mean, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. I I didn't really pay attention too much to what was going on. Yeah, it was, so, it was mainly... Oh, come on! <laughs> oh, I mean, what, that team, in order for that team to be like contenders, they'll have to spend about months rebuilding them because they've been presented yeah. as jobbers as well. Well, well they, so, won the pre- uh, they won their pre-show match against the Usos. Yeah, they beat the Usos. That's a good That's a good thing. Fandango looked 
Like, Fandango didn't get yeah. squashed by Randy Orton. Yeah. Like, shenanigans prevented that from happening. So, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that they're starting to build them up a little These bit. These are two good guys. One thing like, about, also about the four villains. Hang on a minute. Did they appear on... Did we see them this week on any of the... On any of the <laughs> no. We didn't, did we? No. <laughs> Maybe they're out in, in Australia already, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's the explanation. Also, why did the Vaude villains lose to the American Alpha if they're going to be facing local local guys? Yeah. That's just something I wanted to mention. That's a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also, yeah, yeah. It does, make you, it does make you wonder why that happened. Again, doesn't really feel like they've thought it through no. long term, does it? What, what do you think of Alphaplex? Me? What do I think about... I, I think... I think Alphaplex, what's that? Is that one of the moves they do? That's one of the... Uh, you know, I mean, this is JVL being JVI, I guess. No, no, because I saw Chad Gable call it as well. He's called... They're suplexes. They basically call them Alphaplex. Uh, is- well, I mean, they do do some pretty amazing um, uh, suplexes. I'm, I've been a big fan of American Alpha in NXT. Yeah, I really do like it. They haven't really shown me a whole lot so far on SmackDown. I know it's early days yet, uh, but when you think of what they were doing in NXT and just how amazing they were there and how over they were there, that has not translated so far onto SmackDown. And I really felt like they, they... you know, they, they need to put them in there with a team that can really challenge them and really push them and so that they're really delivering a match that's going to really uh, excite the fans. And this yeah. one against the Jobbers was an epic fail, just didn't do that. No. So I think American Alpha, they've got to say, well, listen, we've got these guys. We know they're going to get over. We know they're talented. I mean, they should be doing, you know, the, to me, Chad Gable's really charismatic. They had some really good banter backstage, really good interplay together. We should be seeing more of that. I think they should really should be doing a lot more to make this team seem special backstage and in the ring. So far, they've it's been a failure on all counts. I mean, they did um, make a big deal about their debut. Uh, I will give WWE credit for that with the graphic next week. American Alpha is going to be making its debut, so they did make a fuss about that. But I really think they need to give these guys some mic time backstage and put them in there with a team that can really allow them to shine. And you know, I'm hoping that's going to happen next week. Yep. Um, the next thing on the show was actually my favourite part of the show. There was they went to their, um, okay. their their weird desk bit that they have backstage, which is again enough one of the small yeah. things that separates it from more. Um, and Renee's trying to interview the Miz and Maurice, oh. and they're sitting either side of her, and it just goes on. And as this promo progresses, they start like kissing in front of yeah. her. It cuts to a video package and comes back, and the two of them <laughs> are laying on the desk, staring at each other, while Renee Young tries desperately to remain stone faced and continue the segment. Yeah, they've been missing the highlights. Yeah. yeah, I love them. So I remember when Maurice came back, was, all of us was a bit like, "Why? Why?" But like, like them two, they're gold. Like this is the yeah. best Miz has been, I think, yeah. since his WWE title run. I thought he was great there as well. But yeah, this he's absolutely genius with this, and him and Maurice just work off each other so well. And yeah, it's just, just kind when of I saw that visual of them two lying on yeah, the table. Of course, it's so funny. It's just, but I, I think Renee Young was brilliant in this as well. She's like, especially when they start kissing. Like, right, no, no, back to me inside. Back to me inside. <laughs> yeah, the Miz. Um, he's great. He he definitely. I think it's he's a shame. He's not the best wrestler, but he makes up for it with his charisma and his yeah, personality. I think it's really a shame. Like 
the, the order that his career happened in because like when he became world champion I really didn't like him or care about him he's just kind of thrown in the deep end but now he's at a stage where I'm like I want him to be world champion because he's that good on the mic he could yeah. carry it and he could do he's it with swagger and be annoying himself but I love what he's doing the IC title I think he makes the IC title seem important mm-hmm. that's what I think in the world, especially at the moment where not enough people have made it but I like when the Miz carries that title the way he carries himself and the way he talks, it makes it seem like that. That's the title. Yeah. yeah. It's the way he can, I think he's made. He makes the IC title mean a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm, I'm, I love. I think he's in the perfect place at the moment. And I think it'd be silly to take it off of him at the moment. I really hope Apollo Cruz doesn't beat him at SummerSlam. He will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely his role. I mean, he was. He has a. He held the title, of course. Defended against Cena in 2011, wasn't it? Uh, then, of course, dropped the belt to Cena. Um, and was pretty much trashed by Cena in, yeah, yeah. in the feud, um, and been in the wilderness for quite a while. Miz didn't really seem to have any sort of role, uh, and now you know the Vince and Kevin Dunn are obviously huge fans of the Miz and Maurice uh, double act. Uh, they give him Miz the IC title, and you know they like the uh, they definitely like the segments that they're doing because we don't see the Miz wrestle that often anymore. <laughs> Uh, we do see a lot of them in these segments and stuff, so obviously huge fans of those two. And uh, yeah, I think I think Miz is great in this role as well. I'm a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, us three have spoken briefly about this, and I really want to get Finley's opinion on this because um, up next was Becky Lynch scheduled in her <laughs> match against Eve Marie that they were supposed to have last week. Uh, they come out Eve Marie comes out with her amazing entrance again, gets in the ring, the camera cuts away, cuts back to her. And her top has like fallen off, and she's covering up her boobs. The ref gets her a towel, sends her backstage. I just like—I think this is genius. Yeah. I love it. I think it's all <sighs> great. I mean, like, what? Don't moan in the mug. Go. <laughs> it's, it's Do you not I, think it's amazing? I don't hate it. Oh, I loved it. But I don't know why I don't hate it. There's <laughs> one thing I want to ask. Uh, I'll, I'll, please give me an answer. Please, okay. one of you, give me an answer. Where is this headed? I don't so know, and that's why the, I love this it. This is the problem. Like, <laughs> I think this is going to have she's the same. Not... This is going to have the exact same problem that Braun Strowman's going to have. Yeah. As soon eventually, as... she's got to do something. Yeah, and as soon as she starts to do something, it's it's all going to fall yeah. apart. But is it? But is I'm it? just going to it's enjoy this show. Yeah, because she's awful in the ring. <laughs> she's not that. She's not that. No, no, she's terrible. That match with Bailey worked because it, she's terrible. Because and the whole match was built around her being terrible. It was overbooked to hell. Don't even try and stop saying that she's not the worst thing in the world. That's probably going to happen again. But that's literally what they're doing. I literally think the only way they've got out of this is if they can somehow convince Zack Sabre Jr. to get a boob job and wear a red wig and then do some twin magic. And have her wrestle, have him wrestle her matches. I was, her. I was that because there's, there's there's nothing else they can do because she's no good. <laughs> it's going to fall apart when she gets in the ring. But I'm just enjoying the ride. Yeah, when Dan said that, like, I'd love it if they just literally got like a similar sort of thing, like a stand up or red hair, who's really good at wrestling, and they do all the wrestling, and just roll out, and Eva gets a pin. But yeah, I think I think what they're doing is genius. I think it's great. You're supposed to hate her when it which works. And you hate her even more and stuff like this. So, Finley, what's your opinion on Eve Marie and this <laughs> this weird thing that they've got going with her? Yeah, I, mean, I th- find it quite amusing. I mean, I, I think she's she's a funny character. She, uh, yeah. you know, I did enjoy her match with Bailey as well. I thought that was one of Bailey's best ever performances in in NXT. I mean, one, probably one of the best performances by any wrestler uh, last year. I think that was November of last year, wasn't it? The match. Uh-huh. I remember it on NXT. Uh, I do also remember Eva's, Eva Marie's match with Asuka uh, on the April 27th NXT this year, and that was a bit of a disaster. Uh, let's just say that Asuka didn't have Bailey's magic touch. Um, 
fans in that match were actually chanting, you can't wrestle uh, at either. Uh, not surprisingly. I, I, and uh, uh, it, They were so uh, prominent with the chants that Tom Phillips, the uh, commentator, even acknowledged them. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a bit of a disaster, really, for Asuka was the match with Eva yeah. Marie. So, yeah, she's we know she's not very good in the ring. We know she doesn't really know what she's doing. Uh, so, really, they're playing to her strengths by not booking her to wrestle. <laughs> Say that um, after, because, you know, Becky then said, I'm not, this. I'm not, I'm, re- I'm here to fight. I'm not going back there without facing someone for second re- for the second consecutive week. And then uh, Alexa Bliss came out and Alexa Bliss beat Becky Lynch after Becky Lynch was paralyzed <laughs> by the sudden uh, arrival of Eva, Eva Marie who'd managed to sort out her wardrobe malfunction and come back out. She, she, was gonna, she was apparently going to have the match at that point and Becky Lynch was just stunned and then she lost to Alexa. But then Eva did a little promo there saying that she would be ready to wrestle next week. And she, I thought she did a good job on the promo, but she did that really well. But, uh, yeah, they're definitely playing to her strengths by not booking her in the ring. Yeah. I, feel, I feel sorry for WWE in a way, because everything about Eva shouts star, except her wrestling, because she's got a great presence. She's obviously a really beautiful woman, and she's just... She just can't wrestle. Like, <laughs> everything else about her is perfect for what they would they would want. Like, obviously, like, they should be going after the wrestlers like Sasha Banks and yeah. Bailey and all that. But obviously, they still want these kind of people in the company for whatever reason. And she's got the great presence. I don't think she's terrible on the microphone. It's just she's the worst at wrestling. When her, <laughs> when her theme song hit the second time oh, God. and the guy was saying... She is now ready. She's yeah. now ready to wrestle. <laughs> I like think that, that guy, I love him. <laughs> I think, also, Alexa Bliss is great. She's really yeah, good. She is. I really... She's... Um, I didn't think that much when she got drafted. I, I, I didn't realise, in a way. I think maybe I overlooked it because of who, who else gets the main shots in NXT, yeah. like Asuka, Bayley. But she's really good at playing that bad girl role. She's uh, yeah. she's decent in the ring. I wasn't a big fan of her when she was doing her whole Alexa Bliss sparkle stuff. Yeah. But this whole, the whole, the heel turn worked. Let's just say that. The yeah, heel turn yeah. worked. She's a great bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the character. I think she's great. I think she plays it really well. I think he's got a lot of confidence and just seems very natural out there, just responding to fans and just doing all the different things. And yeah, I, I think she'll go far. I think they'll really give her a chance. Uh, as for Eva, I mean, really what she needs to do is she needs to just form a partnership again, like she did with Nia, uh, Nia Jax, where she was, um, or Nia Jax even, uh, where she doesn't really have to do anything in the ring. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the way that the, that, that to me is the uh, goal of this. Yeah. Eventually, she will form a partnership with somebody and will be very, very brief forays into the ring. She will do very little in the ring. WWE is well aware of the limitations, which is a good thing. Um, and I think she'll form a partnership or maybe uh, like a trio with a couple of other uh, female performers. Uh, and she'll uh, and she'll make it work that way. I think they can get a lot out of her if they use her correctly. And as I said, WWE is definitely aware of what she can and cannot do. And, you know, that does board well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to ask about Alexa Bliss. Did she happen to stumble upon uh, Triple oh. H's Terminator entrance gear and just, like, rip off a little bit and put it on her hand? Because <laughs> I've been noticing for this, like, for the last few weeks. What is that thing on her that's, hand? That's actually, that's something that people wear. No, it's not. Yeah. 
That's, that's, a, that's, no, a new, that's like a new jewellery thing. Tell right? me it ain't so. People in the real world wear that. No, it don't. It looks like they're a bit... Sure you know. It looks oh, yeah. like a bit <laughs> of the Terminator entrance here. How old are you two? 19. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. People in the real oh, world oh, wear that. Damn, I'm, I'm done with the kids, I like, am. <laughs> uh, Stop it, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Next up was Alberto de Rio versus Randy Orton. This was here just... To make us not forget that Randy Orton has a match coming up at SummerSlam, <laughs> but this match just happened. What, I guess what, what on a bit, didn't it? Ugh, I, I don't remember it like at all. It's fine. I remember yeah. it happening. I just don't very just... Ba- very by the numbers, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, wrestling by numbers and DQ finish. It just just That's felt a... like just felt you know didn't really feel very special. And for you know Orton's going to be facing Lesnar in what we presume will be the SummerSlam main event, didn't really have that sort of aura or that buzz to it that it should have done. Yeah, and I believe, was this, this was, was this, this wasn't Orton's, Orton was on last SmackDown last week, wasn't he? Yeah. Was yeah, SmackDown? yeah. That's right, okay. So yeah, so I mean, it didn't really have that sort of big match feel to it that I was hoping for. I mean, I know Alberto Del Rio, he's really become sort of mid-carder for life right now. So, I mean, he's a guy do, who does have a tendency to really sort of uh, evacuate the heat from the room. Uh, he does have uh, that effect on matches, but Orton, to me, didn't really sizzle like I was hoping he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, DQ finish. Uh, Del Rio uh, was disqualified for nailing Orton's arm with a chair, and that was that. So, we didn't get a finish either, which yeah. is also a bit odd because... Where is Del Rio going? He doesn't really seem to have a big purpose right now from what I can work out. So we've got Orton who's going to be facing Lesnar. To me, Orton should have won this one decisively, but maybe that's what... Maybe they were just saving the, the big win for next week's SmackDown. Maybe that's think, uh, the long-term goal. I think you can see on Raw and SmackDown at the moment, they are trying to protect as many people as they can. There's a lot of undecisive finishes with yeah. Cesaro and Sheamus and this. And it, it seems like at the moment... They're just trying to get their heads straight and figure out what they're going to do with all these different people. So they're trying to protect as many people as they can with the finishes, which is making for not fun television because it's just every match is ending in DQ or in you know shenanigans. So it's getting boring real quick. But I suppose it makes sense if they're just trying to figure out where people are going to go. So that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely get you. Yeah, but the thing is, like people now have been trained to expect clean finishes, yeah. or you know, and so I mean. You know, this is 2016 and people have been conditioned to expect that. So they, we don't really, when you think about it, really get that many count out of DQ finishes anymore. Yeah. Um, next up, we had a backstage segment with Heath Slater and Rhino. This whole uh, thing was a big mess, I thought. I, it's quite I, funny. I laughed at a couple of bits that he Slater with Heath Slater. Heath Slater but was I, great. This isn't what I wanted. I wanted to be... I wanted them to try and make Heath Slater an actual... A threat. I wanted yeah. him to come in and be a badass. He basically, he comes in, he begs Rhino to let him win so he can have a contract, so he can, you know... He didn't make laugh two kids. when he did the Jericho thing. Yeah, he and then said, he said the four kids. And then he said, yeah, I thought you had two kids. And he was like, yeah. I meant four. <laughs> and then later on he said, how am I supposed to feed about seven kids, man? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, Rhino says, no, I'm not going to lie down for you. Uh, so oh, the match happens. Wasn't that like a wasn't like a rip off from a scene in Total Recall? I'm sure it was the original, <laughs> sw- the original Arnie version. I'm sure it was. Anyway, that's one for you older listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm swear that that exchange was based on a scene in the original Arnold Schwarzenegger Total Recall. Uh, well, the match happens, um, and 
you know, whatever. It's, it's, yeah. it's another whatever. Who Rhino, cares? Rhino, Rhino, Gauze, him. Gauze does, Was there a um? Didn't he like get distracted by something? Or? No, he went for a. Um, he put his feet on the ropes. And oh yeah, hit, and then the, ref. the referee caught it. Uh, Rhino hit him with a gore. Um, then they went backstage, and, and this makes Daniel, no sense. Yeah, this makes no sense because the whole thing was if Heath Slater wins, he gets a contract. Yeah. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are standing backstage reading through the contract. Yeah. Heath Slater walks in, has a massive rant, quits, and they say, well, what are we going to well, do with Heath Slater's contract? No, what happened was, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are talking in the room, and Daniel Bryan says, I know he lost his match, and we said if he won the match, he would get a contract. But damn, did he show heart, and I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> he tried cheating. He argued with the ref when he was caught cheating. He begged Rollo to let him win the match before it happened. This feels like there was a two drafts of this segment. One was where he has a valiant match of Rhino. He goes 15 minutes of Rhino. <laughs> he tries his best. He just can't get it done. And then Rhino inches out the win. And he sort of shakes his hand. And then Daniel Bryan's like, well, he showed yeah. us something. That's not what happened. Daniel Bryan is saying that he showed him something. No, he didn't. All he showed him was that he was trying to cheat. The match was about a minute long. Win. Yeah. He was begging him to be let win. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was just, it just felt like two parts. <laughs> it's like, we'll write this story. Oh no, we don't like that story. We need to do this story. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, well, oh, but we like that part of the story. Oh well, let, let's just like, you know, let's just uh, make put them up both together. And these guys are professionals. They'll make it work. Or something like that. You're right. It was nonsensical. <laughs> Talk about pure writing. It's like, and it, the funny thing about. You know, these guys who write this show, they're all like, oh, I'm a writer. You know, they've got TV writing experience and all this other stuff. And they think they're so much better than wrestling bookers of old. Yeah, a wrestling yeah. booker of old would have looked at that and just binned it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not putting that on my show. I would quit before I would put that on my show. <laughs> we don't, how the hell did something, you know, just so, not, not even jumbled, just, it just made no sense. How did that make it on the air? Yeah, and they always, they always want to say, like, we're not... A, we're not a sports show. We're a television. We're a television show. They're always comparing themselves to Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad. If Breaking Bad did something like this on one of their sh- the episodes, I would have turned it off and never watched the show again. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the consistency. If you're gonna if you're gonna say you're like Game of Thrones, you're like The Walking Dead, you need to show some consistency and have stories that make sense before you can say that. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just indefensible. I mean, it was piss poor. That's what it was. Piss poor. <laughs> Anyway, I'm getting really angry, and the next um, thing is... Well, right, right. We have a guest, so you still have to be on your best behaviour and not have a massive argument about okay. this, because up next was Carmella versus Natalia. Um, Joe, we know you love Carmella. Daniel, we know you hate Carmella. There needs to be a word stronger than hate, <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't qualify. She, look, I'm, look, I don't want to... I'm not going to... I don't know her as a person. I'm just going to say she is by far my least favourite person in WWE. Overall, I, I, I can't even like put a massive finger on what it is. I just, I, it, I can't stand it. I mean, I don't like her, but I have no conception of the bile you feel towards this woman. She makes my blood boil. <laughs> uh, to, to me, it was just weird because, like, Carmella's, you know, beat, you know, this this was set up last week um, when Natalia interrupted a Carmella interview uh, with Rennie Young. I'm sure that is correct. Uh, so then that led to the match, and Carmella won it by submission. I mean, I, you know, in a sense, you say, well, you're contradicting yourself there, Finley, by saying uh, that you don't want a clean finish. Uh, but to me, it just felt like, well, we've got a program that started last week. It's almost like the Titus O'Neill and Darren Young thing. It's just like, 
well, is that it? Is it over? And well, to me, is- Carmella shouldn't have been able to defeat Natalia that quickly. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I see what you're saying. It's because, like, there's some matches that should finish in clean finishes, and there are some matches that should finish in uh, dirty finishes. And I've, this, you're right. This is one that could have been benefited with a with a dirty finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like Natalia was, you know, she's her career. She's been pushed, and then she hasn't been pushed this year. I mean, really, Orton should have defeated Del Rio cleanly to set him up for Lesnar but as I said Orton will probably defeat Del Rio on next week's Smackdown and this was a match really I think Natalia should have won that match yeah. uh, and cheated to win or something like that and Carmella could have like well I'll learn from this you know, I'll, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm tough I'm a fighter I'm this I'm that I'll you know, go back and study the tapes or what I know they don't say these things anymore <laughs> or something like that and I'll come back and I'll beat her next time that should yeah. have really been the outcome not Carmella winning by submission over this veteran performer it just felt like that's it it's over Where, you know it's like it's, you know, we're drawing again we're drawing the line under this feud and I think it's something that SmackDown needs to be careful with because they did it with the Usos losing to Breezango and they did it with Becky Lynch. I know it was both like, you know, shenanigans, but Becky Lynch losing to Alexa Bliss, Carmella beating, uh, uh, Carmella beating Natalia. I forgot everyone's name there. Um, they need to be careful because I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to build these new stars. They're trying to make these new people legitimate by beating their established people. Be careful that you don't make the established people you have look like losers, yeah. because yeah. Becky Lynch is on the teetering of becoming a jobber at this point. She, yeah. and she also, every single time she comes out there, so they need to be careful with her. And I think Natalia, all the stuff with Becky Lynch really helped her. She had some great wins over Becky Lynch and stuff in there. So her losing to Carmella here clean, it doesn't make sense. Also, another thing as well is when you've got a newcomer in there like Carmella, who's obviously not very good. You know, you can breed resentment very quickly if you start putting them over established acts. So I think they really have to be seen to have earned the victory. And that just felt like, you know, we're just going to give her this win because she needs it. It's like, well, to me, it would have been more beneficial for her had she won the, you know, had she scored the win over Natalia in, say, three or four weeks after a series of losses. I think that would have been a better story for her. And would have been something as well for us to to, to really sink our teeth into and to... to um, to get into because it would have been a story with a start, a middle and an end rather than a story that started and ended with no middle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and now, obviously, they've got the split crews and they've got fewer talent to work with. This should just be happening as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. We should be having lengthy stories so we're not burning through programs. I mean, how difficult yeah. is it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then it was the main event. Which was... Hang on, what about Baron Corbin beating up Kalisto backstage? Yes, I forgot about that. I, mean, I, I actually can understand you forgetting that, because let's face it, everything uh, Baza Corbin does is forgettable, isn't it? <laughs> he, he picks uh, Kalisto up like a small child against the wall, uh, like he was yeah. after his lunch money. I was, that's for costume. Just finding out, I really like Baron Corbin. I can't, I can't wait to see this match. I think it's going to be a perfect match. Big man, little man. Let's just hope that Cleto shows some good lucha things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God, God damn it. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't even care. <laughs> um, speaking of which, that leads us to the main event. Very yes. good segue. Um, um, speaking of things we don't care about. Yes. Um, Again, I keep saying this, but this feels like something from 2011. This is just a thrown together this, tag team this match. This was a Teddy Long tag team yeah. match. Yeah, now hold on a minute, players. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan. Um, I still think you give Eric Rowan a hard time. I still think he's quite decent. Really There's like, like a numb in my heart. Every time he comes on the screen, I just feel numb. Yeah. I have no feelings. I like him. him. I really do like him. I don't him. see anything. I don't dislike him. I don't like him. I just nothing him. <laughs> There's just a void in my heart. I really do like Every him. Time I love Eric his spin kick. I think I still think you used to give him a hard time. Just I don't know why. I'll, give, I'll give him one thing. He's really good at Rubik's cubes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about that move where you know the old Sergeant Slaughter move with a fist to the temple? Yeah, I love that's that. exciting, isn't it? Oh, I, I love that. that. I love it. I hate that so much. Why? I love it. It's I, great. I, I always felt like Carly's head vice was more believable than that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something, isn't it? Uh, this was a fairly unforgettable. Uh, unforgettable. <laughs> uh, unforgettable. Sorry. Or completely this, now was, forever. this was a very forgettable match um, Ziggler hit a super kick on Rowan won then there was some stuff after the match and it ended with Dean Ambrose hitting Dirty Deeds on Dolph Ziggler yeah because I, I didn't see that coming mm. when when Ziggler helped up Ambrose I was totally not like he's going to Dirty Deeds him he's going to Dirty Deeds him he's going to Dirty Deeds him mm-hmm. I'd have thought <laughs> they just had Ziggler kick him in the face just because it would have been a bit different because I was every part of my body was saying He's yeah, going to dirty deeds him. <laughs> so just a little bit, just throw, throw a little bit of a spanner on the works and have Ziggler kick him in the head. Yep. Uh, what, one thing about it that let us know that SmackDown was live was when Dean uh, fell short on a tope just before the finish. Yeah. He looked pretty foolish there. <laughs> Had this been SmackDown taped, that would have been removed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't look great. He didn't. Um, so yeah, that was SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, so normally, like the past few weeks, we said who's the winner out of SmackDown and Raw. I refuse. I'm, I'm, like, there wasn't a winner this week. They're they both, were both losers. Yeah. <laughs> to me, they, neither show was any good whatsoever, really. They both felt like generic shows that we would have got a few years ago. And no, this was a massive step down this week. They've fallen off a cliff this week, in my opinion. Both uh, The first week, Raw was the clear winner. And then the next week, they were both pretty good shows. And this week, they've both just fallen off the map to yeah. me. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, you know, it was two weeks in, and it just feels like business as usual. Just like you know, regress to the bad old ways. <laughs> yeah, nothing particularly special there. So, well, we'll see what happens next yeah. week and see yes. where we get on to. Um, so, we just got a couple little bit of um, newsy, newsy stuff to talk about. Um, I, I think I should talk about. I've literally just seen a really cool thing we can talk about in this sort of section. Um, Progress is going to be with um, WWE next year at WrestleMania weekend in Orlando. And on Friday, March 31st, Progress are running a show in Orlando nice. at noon. And they're also, on the Saturday, they're run, running a super show where it's Evolve versus Progress Stroke Ring of Honor. Oh, awesome. nice. So, wow, that's pretty impressive. That's big. That's yeah. really big. It's big for us. It's, it's just it's great to see progress just get more and more out there in the, with all the countries taking notice in America and stuff. Just, and it's just great for our guys as well who are getting the, you know, the coverage of these all these people seeing them now and the exposure that comes with that. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about it is, I mean, it's a good thing for them, I think, in terms of status. The only thing is... On that weekend, so many things are happening that many times the stuff that's not WWE isn't really remembered. But I think for progress in terms of uh, you know status on the world stage, it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on SmackDown last week, they showed a video promo that was Shelton Benjamin's return. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we found out this week he is injured and he's not going to be returning to SmackDown. 
Yeah, that's it's really sad to see because this is the kind of person to me that SmackDown needed. I think when you look at SmackDown's mid card, it's very very weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone like Shelton Benjamin was going to instantly just perk that midfield up. It would make it much more legitimate. Uh, so it's it's a massive shame because Shelton Benjamin was really talented and it looks like he's going to be out for quite a long while. The torn rotator cuff. Yeah, well, that's that's the same injury that Hideo Itami had, and that kept him on the shelf for how many months? Fifteen months. Isn't that yeah. what Orton had as well when he was out for? Uh, yeah, like that. Like that. Best part was it nine, ten months Orton was out. He was out yeah. a long time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's, it's a real shame. shame. I think everyone was really excited, for it. and it's bad for SmackDown advertising on TV, and then yeah, that's been pushed. Well, hopefully away. they've got someone that they can replace him. Yeah, with. they didn't mention rumors. it either as well. Like they didn't say, "Oh, last week yeah. we announced this." Unfortunately, they sort of just let it. Right, it's a bit embarrassing for them. Yeah, I understand, but hopefully they've got someone that they can replace him with. MVP, yeah, Carlito, who I've been mentioning on the show for every single week. Well, speaking of MVP. <laughs> MVP was backstage at an NXT live event apparently, so that, it, it looks like he's going to be coming back. Yeah. I like MVP. I think he's I think he's a very good wrestler. Um, yeah. I like him on the mic, and I think he was another one who done really well on TNA. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> also, Ry- some... Ryback. Okay, Ryback has that? officially left WWE this week, uh, and my heart broke. Uh, because I really like Ryback I think he gets a lot of shit sometimes I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for I think when he's given time he can go out there and have a decent match uh, and he's got a lot of personality that's one thing that people used to throw around about Ryback was that he was just you know he had no personality he was just this big muscle guy who had no personality Ryback's funny he's really funny so I, I honestly I think it's a loss for WWE I mean I, I think he was a guy that that really stepped up in those matches with Kalisto. He really made. I thought those matches were believable. Yeah. I think it's a guy that really did come a long way. He was somebody that, of course, <laughs> was like seen as a Goldberg knockoff. I mean, let's face it: when CM Punk trashed him in the uh, famous uh, Art of Wrestling podcast uh, in late 2014, I mean, a lot of people, I think, felt, uh, you know, that Punk had a. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat what Punk said, uh, but uh, <laughs> there was a lot of things that people took from that and thought less of Ryback as a result um, so I think he's a guy a lot of people in wrestling feel took himself too seriously but I agree I don't think he really took himself that seriously either I thought he made a really good point when he left and said well listen you know I've been doing all these jobs and when I do all these jobs that means that people fewer people buy my merchandise uh, people view me as a job and my money goes down and uh, you know someone has to lose in order for someone else to win so a lot of people took that as as Ryback was just not was thinking that he was bigger and more important than he was and, and that he wasn't that he didn't understand the way wrestling worked. And I felt that he made a lot of valid points there. Obviously he wasn't happy, he left and good for him. You know, he made some good money out of WWE. He's decided he's, he doesn't want to put up with any with it anymore. Yeah. And now he's doing his own thing. So good for yeah. him. You know, I mean I I'm absolutely supportive of every wrestler who says this is not working for me I'm going to do something that yeah. is going to work for me instead of sitting around moaning about it do something about it and that's what Ryback did Ryan Reeves did so good for him you know yeah. I'm if, good for him if anyone's wondering uh, he has said this week that he is focusing on wrestling he's not taking a break from wrestling or anything he's taking indie dates he's trying to get his, he's got a, he's already said he's got a busy schedule so Keep an eye out, you might have Ryback at a show. He's also taking food uh, yeah. challenge days, which I think is great. 
Yeah, I mean, you'll do great on the convention circuit and the autograph signing circuit. I mean, there's, you know, especially when you're fresh off WWE, there's some good money to be made there. Yeah. Uh, and also, it I means think. that he can just work weekends if he wants. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing about WWE, when you've been working that schedule. I know he hasn't been there for a few months now, but when you've been working that schedule, it's brutal. You know, you're doing four matches a week, and some weeks you're only at home for maybe like one full day and you're maybe traveling the two other days so i mean it's like these guys if you only want to work weekends and they made good money from wwe and it'll be continue to make good money for from wwe from the network from merch sales and all these other things the money will keep coming for a long long time to come so good for him you know if he only wants to work weekends from this point forward then then that's great you know he's worked hard for it over the years uh and he's setting his own schedule he's a master of his own destiny and Let's face it, that's what we all want to be. Yeah. So I really, I really want to see on Dave, I want to see Big Guy versus Food as a program. <laughs> so I, I hope that comes from it. I, I just, one thing I just wanted to quickly say, I, I hope that he doesn't become that guy that he's just booked because he's a former WWE guy. I hope he can make a name for himself. When you see on the poster. Former yeah, former WWE superstar, Ryback. I hope he can get away from that and he can try and become... Someone he's a bit more respected because at the moment he's not the most respected wrestler in the world. He's not. Which right, I mean, you would hope that he's going to do like a Drew Ga- like like a Drew Galloway, yeah. yeah, reinvent himself and go out there and really make a statement and say, yeah. well, you know, I can do this. You know, yeah. book me against this guy, book me in a fifteen-minute match. I'm not just here to squash guys in two minutes. I'm here to work and to to steal. You know, to close the show and make sure that I'm in the best match on the show. So yeah, hopefully he will show us something. And you're right, he'll gain a lot more respect from his peers if he does that. Yeah. And no offence, but I really, no offence to any fans, but I really don't want to see him end up on, on TNA. I just think that'll be just a de- another dead end for both yeah. TNA and him. Yeah, so. I, I don't think, I don't think he'll go there. Um, I just think he'll probably do his own thing. Yeah, and Maybe New Japan will give him a shot, you know? I think that would be quite cool. Yeah, New Japan like a bit of a freak show. Don't yeah. Know? And he is like a huge... He is like a human geo, dude. <laughs> so, you know, maybe they'll bring, bring him over and give him a shot. If he doesn't work out, then that's that. But, I mean, he is a massive guy. And, obviously, New Japan likes that in its foreigners. So, maybe... And, and you know what? If he gets in there and gets in that system and he's working with those guys, he'll become a better performer. Yeah. Uh, another little bit of quick news, just something that's been floating around this week. Uh, just... It's pretty obvious that it's, this is something that's happening in WWE, but just just to keep people updated, apparently WWE have already started to second-guess their uh, draft picks, and they're already talking about somehow getting Cesaro and Kevin Owens on SmackDown and getting Randy Orton onto Raw. Ooh. So <laughs> I, I hope it's not a two-for-one two trade, because that would make Cesaro and Kevin Owens... I, that would devalue them. I think they need to get uh, Cesaro and Owens onto SmackDown, but I think Orton needs to stay on SmackDown yeah. too. Uh, so that's just something I just want to quickly mention. It's just something that's been fighting around this week that WWE are already starting to get second guess themselves. Surprise, surprise! WWE makes a quick decision without thinking about it, and then they regret it a couple of weeks later. Yeah, well, it's it's just powerful. I mean, the thing that got me yeah. was they were on about putting the cruiserweight division on Raw. And Kalisto, who yeah. was the guy who could have been the, the figurehead and given him a real role on Raw, why was he on SmackDown? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it was you know Shane McMahon on Raw. On Raw, I can't remember which episode it was. He said everything will be extremely well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> the slide he used about the uh, the draft, the brand extension, 
And of course it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's WWE. Everything's just yeah. erratic and just, you know, booked on the fly in many, in many cases. And they'll just do, they'll come up with a long-term plan. I mean, in the Power Sam Interviews Volume 1, another plug, sorry, uh, Paul <laughs> Heyman explains in detail of how it works in the WWE writing room. Um, if you haven't read that interview, you need to read it. Uh, and he explains how it all works and just how fickle everything is and just yeah. how in the morning they'll have this objective, but by the afternoon it's completely changed. So you'll start work on something in the morning and by the afternoon you're like, oh, no, we're not doing that now. We're now doing this. So it's very hard to come up with long-term plans. And yeah. as we just discussed with that ridiculous uh, segment with Heath Slater, Rhino, Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon on SmackDown, that just sums it up. How can something that scatterbrained be on, be on, a, on, on a SmackDown? I mean, it's, how can it? And it's because everything changes constantly. Yeah. Um, okay, just one or two smaller things now. I don't really have much to say about this, but it's probably something worth mentioning. Conor, Gre- Conor McGregor. It's um, quite a big thing that happened this week. Yeah, he had a big pop on Twitter about professional wrestlers, essentially called uh, the pussies. WWE guys pussies, and said that he'd slap all their heads off twice yeah. on Sundays. And then every single wrestler in the world replied. There were some really good comebacks, to be fair. There um, was some, uh, Becky Lynch's one Becky was Lynch's amazing. Becky Lynch's one was class. She won the uh, Dublin uh, Athlete of the Year or something and said, well, I've already beat you, so I'll just stand back. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he was just he was using Twitter for what it, 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 it's, it's, its primary purpose, which is to promote people and events. To me, he was... I, I can't believe that he was serious. I just think it was something that he came up with to just to promote himself, to promote the event, get people talking, and it certainly achieved that. Yeah. Conor McGregor is a character. Yeah. He 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 is a WWE character in a different film. He's yeah. he's a massive twat, but that's his thing. That is he's, he's a twat. So I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I can fans get angry. Just sort of like, I mean, I, it's a bit annoying that when people slag off wrestling, but. Someone like him. Old now. Yeah. yeah, like you're used to it, innit? You are used. It's like I saw a picture of when um, it says when uh, someone tries to offend a WWE fan, but they've heard it all. And it's a picture of Taz getting hit with a steel chair, and he just no sold it and put his middle finger up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's like how can you get offended at something like that? I mean, I certainly wasn't. To me, it just seemed like him just promoting a fight. You know, and that's what he did, and I'll tell you what, it succeeded, didn't it? <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, as well, he's half take piss, obviously, Brock Lesnar pretty break him in, in the half, like, he <laughs> yeah. is literally the size of most wrestlers' legs. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to say, you know, if Connor was up against someone like Big Show, I wouldn't fancy Connor's chances. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of guys I'm sure in a fight who would beat him. And I'm sure there's a lot of people also that wouldn't. Uh, people, he's, you know, I mean, let's face it, he's a top line real fighter, and if he was pitted against somebody who's roughly his size, it would be destruction for the wrestler. Um, but I mean, that's not that's to really is just that's just irrelevant. I mean, he was just doing that to promote himself, to promote yeah. the event, get people talking, upset people, maybe to encourage WWE fans to order the event. Uh, you know, they would order the event, hoping to see him lose. So he just did it just to make some noise, and he and he succeeded, and good well, for him. I still really very do envision in the future Conor kind of having some sort of program with WWE. I think that will happen one day. 
Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, it's. I mean, this isn't going to make any difference either way. And in fact, it was quite funny if you if you read his original comments, he knocked the wrestlers, but then praised the guys who'd signed the checks. So uh, I thought that was quite funny. Uh, yep, we spoke a little bit about TNA earlier and what's next for them. Um, they've got one storyline going on at the moment that's worth mentioning because I think it's genius, and I think it's the type of. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of standout genius storyline that they need at this moment. Bobby Lashley became World Heavyweight Champion. He then became X Division Champion. Which is a bit strange. Which is weird. Last week on Impact, James Storm won the King of the Mountain Championship, and then Bobby Lashley came out and challenged him for the King of the Mountain Championship. Yeah. So we could end up in a place where Bobby Lashley holds all of the gold in TNA. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the sort of... It's like a really weird thing. I know a lot of people are going to hate it and slag it off, but I think it's something that's interesting, different, weird, and it's going to put eyes on the product again. It's going to get people thinking, what, one guy's got all of the all of the belts? That's mental. Let me tune in and have a look. I think it's a really smart move, and I think, I'm enjoying it. I think, he did that with Kurt Angle a few years ago, didn't he? Yeah. I think the main problem that it's going to come from, I'm not saying this, is, I don't really care about TNA at this point, but I can see one of the big things being, Oh, they've just put all the titles on the next WWE guy. I've got no faith in their own guys. Why didn't they do this with EC3? Yeah. EC3, Drew, I know he's a former WWE guy, but someone that they less established from WWE, Drew Galloway. Just someone who isn't Bobby Lashley, because it seems like a bit of a waste to me, having this all of the gold thing be on somebody who's already so established as Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is kind of their, as per se, former like MMA so well, he did do much this? in MMA. But and are they, are they going to have a story? Are they going to have a pay-per-view where he he's in every all... single match? <laughs> yeah, it's weird seeing how they get out of stuff like this. I but... think it's interesting. I think mm. it's the sort of thing that they need right now. Yeah, I guess the theory is that when he wins all the, all, if he's got all the titles, whomever beats him, it's a bigger deal. I guess that's yeah. the, the theory behind it. Okay. So we've talked about some good things on this show. We've talked about some bad things. I think it's time to end on a glorious thing. Uh, we've, we don't do an NXT reviews. We just wanted to quickly mention Bobby Roode uh, and his NXT theme song uh, and his NXT promo. Everyone's talking about it. It's impossible to avoid this at the yeah, moment. We have to talk about glorious. We have to. Um, <laughs> best thing, obviously, to come out of this so far is the glorious bombs by Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. They are the funniest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he cut an amazing promo on NXT, as you said. He came out, started off being really facey, sucking up to the crowd and everything, yeah. and then just suddenly sort of turned. It was said, a bit awkward, because the crowd wouldn't wouldn't boo him. I just loved <laughs> the part where he said, um, I, I'm not going to rest the until the, this crowd is full of businessmen in suits and vice presidents, instead of you idiots in yeah. your stinking oversized t-shirts. Yeah, that's when he finally got him because yeah. the, the whole time he would try and turn and they'd be like, hey! And then finally, at the end, they, he the got apple him. apple dropped eventually. Yeah. So, hold, hold on, my shirt's not too big for me. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't funny because he seemed quite earnest and seemed quite sincere at the start, didn't he? And then he yeah. suddenly did the little the switch and you're like, yes, yeah. you're a heel, aren't you? And, and yeah, the, the music, it's just priceless it's just so awful you know it's going to be a sing-along special your fans are really going to get into it it's just that bad so yeah i i I thought the whole thing was very well done and i'm really looking forward to seeing what bobby Roode does next yeah really looking forward to it and i think nxt it's um 
it's an exciting time because a lot of talent's been called up and some yeah. of the talent is going to be going soon. Presumably, Bailey will be leaving after uh, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn on August 20th and she'll be getting run up to the main roster, I would, I would assume. Um, so there's a lot of things changing in there and there's a lot of new talent there and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing NXT build those new acts yeah. and that's something that it does and does well. And I think it's under pressure right now to create new acts that are over. And I think that will really motivate them to to give us some, you know, a lot of new talent. The, the, only, the only people in, the only act in there that I don't really like is the Authors of Pain. From yeah. what I've seen of them so far, I don't think they're that good. But there's enough other acts in there that I think can become stars yeah. uh, to replace the talent that have been called up. And that is NXT's job, to create stars who can be, then be called up to the main roster. I'm just really hoping that one day we get a Money in the Bank cash-in from Bobby Roode with that theme song. Because just imagine that, like someone's down in the middle of the ring, they've just gone through hell in a match, and then you just hear, glorious! <laughs> That'll be the best cash-in of all time. So I really hope to see that. Yeah. Um, it, it is an absolute blinder, that song, isn't it? It's, if, it, if he was a face, it would be the worst theme song of all time. But the fact that he's like this smarmy heel that you're supposed to hate, and the fact that he's got this song... It's just, it's just brilliant. It's just perfect. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Awesome. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. Uh, we come to the end of our discussion now. Um, thank you very much for coming on again to speak to us again, Findlay. It's yeah, thanks good. for having me on. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been yeah. different this time. And uh, if you invite me to return, hopefully we'll do cool. something different next time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to our first episode with Findlay, go back and listen to, I believe it was episode five. That's yeah. on SoundCloud iTunes. You can listen to that. We had a really, really good discussion uh, on that one. Yeah. Um, Make sure you go and buy Findlay's book. Yep. Uh, have you, what's fin- Finley? Do you want to give out your uh, Twitter and Facebook pages and all that sort of stuff so the people know where to find you and follow you? Uh, yeah, yeah. On Twitter, it's Finley Martin, and then on uh, there's also Power Slam Online, and there's the website as well, which is powerslamonline.co.uk. Uh, we do you know, regular, occasional updates on there, and you can find the Facebook links through that as well. And, uh, yeah, as you said, my uh, book is out, The Power Slam Interviews, Volume 1. It's available worldwide from Amazon iBooks and Kobo. It's priced at £6.49, or the currency in your country, the equivalent. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope that book is of interest to you, and I hope you enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into The Power Slam Interviews, Volume 2. So, uh, so yeah, this is... Um, it's, this is this is what I do now. You know, I did the magazine for twenty two and a half years, and now I'm doing the ebooks. And yeah, I'm loving it. Awesome. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Finley. Uh, you're welcome back at any time you want to come on. Of course, uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Oh yeah, and thanks very much. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. So that was Finley Martin from Powerslam. Brilliant again. It's amazing to speak to him again. It's great that yeah. we can have someone we had on before come on for yeah, one. Yeah. Bit of guest we spoke to. Our first we've, guest, yeah, it? like episode five. Yeah, and yeah. so have someone be, so have him be part of our regularly scheduled uh, discussions. It's great, and yeah. as always, insightful. It's, it's good to get his opinions on stuff. Live with a different opinion on the podcast. Yes, yeah. not just us three mugs again. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. complaining um, about Roman yeah. Reigns or something. That being said, <laughs> yes. Let's get into us pretty complaining about everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, actually, not. no, actually, I don't think we would now, yeah. Because, um, what was it, episode four? Yeah, this oh, was so the last round, the first first round match, the last episode of the first round match of the Cruiserweight Classic, yeah. which I think in everyone's opinion was the best episode yeah. of the lot. Can I get one little criticism of oh, the Cruiserweight Classic? <laughs> There's nothing to do with the wrestling. 
I fucking hate the ring announcer. Why? He's really awkward. Why is it? We're just like, now it's time for more! In first round, ring action! It's just really, like... Oh, I thought he was alright. He it right? really stops the flow of it. Oh, I thought I liked him. I love, I love the uh, intro, where, like, the purple man just punching shit. Yeah, it's like, sh- it's very Street Fighter-y. Yeah. Um, and I love the control room with Corey Graves. Corey Graves is great. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, so... And uh, Mauro Ronaldo and Daniel Bryan, after four episodes of a programme, are already the best commentary team. <laughs> yeah. By far. By yeah. far. Mar- I mean, Mauro Ronaldo, I mean, I was... Like I say, I, I spoke about him a lot in SmackDown and how great he is. But, again, he's the best. <laughs> he's just the best. <laughs> so, so, what was the first match of episode four? The first match of episode four was our boy, Jack Gallagher. No, wasn't it? Wasn't it Noam no, yeah. no, it, it was Rich yeah. Swan <laughs> versus... As you see, we're very prepared for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> it's Rich Swan versus... Yeah. Like, in wrestling, I know, obviously... The smaller guys get, but he's small of the smaller guys. Yeah. But his personality is bigger than most of them. Like, yeah. he's just so fun to watch. He's got great charisma, incredible in the ring. Yeah. And but yeah, so Rich One advances. Yep. He's um, one of my favourites to win the whole thing. Actually, I think he's just he's really talented. Uh, he's he's a nice guy as well, and he's just. I he's, think he's, he's amazing, great. but I wouldn't want him to win just because he's already there. Yeah. In NXT, so it feels like a waste. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. But yeah, <laughs> I think me and Dallas talked about earlier, haven't? Uh, Danny said you put him in a demigod of flyers. Yeah. Like, to me, there's, I have, like, there's a lot of the time with these high flyers that I see, a lot of them just go mess together because it's, I've seen so many people do so, so many amazing, unbelievable things that a lot of them go just, like, just, like, all blend together and I forget about who they are. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention any names because I want to make this a negative thing. But, um, Rich Swan to me is, like, just below the best. Mm-hmm. He's, like, one of the, one of the better See, this, is, this is where I disagree with Dan. Richard. I'm just talking about just in terms of just in ring. Yeah, I know. let's say when Dan puts me in tears of what they can do, or whatever. I put, I also put uh, Rich One in the god tier amongst Ricochet purely because I feel like Rick, Rich One has got the charisma to back up the amazing, ridiculous stuff he does in the ring as well. So that puts him, that teaches him into the god tier with Osprey and Ricochet and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. So this has gone on longer than for the first match. <laughs> um, well, don't worry about it because there's not going to be much to say about the next match. Uh, Gnome Dar yeah, versus Gerv Sierra. Uh, so this is the second of the Bollywood boys and the this second one that it. really just wasn't very I good I liked the me. first guy. I thought he was alright. See, I didn't either. But this guy was not. <laughs> he said was not alright. I felt sorry for Gnome Dar because he carried a half-decent-ish match out mm. of him. I mean, I don't... I'd say he, the crowd were asleep. Yeah. Like, uh, and the only reactions was from Dar, was from things that Dar was doing. I still feel, I still felt that Dar looked respectable in that. Like, it's hard for him, because we know how good he is, but like, for people who don't see him, it's hard. Yeah. People won't, won't give him a fuss. Because a lot of people have never known, a lot of people don't see him. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we won't get, people won't get the fuss with him, good, good bants. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people, it'd be, it'd be hard for people to get the fuss with him with that match. Yeah. And I feel that was a lot for a lot of people, like, the guy, like, same with Akira Tozawa. When he faced that Kenneth Johnson, so this is why I'm really forward to the second round because literally yeah. everyone who's left in it now, other than maybe that Ho Ho Lou was a bit suspect, but they're all really, really good. Yeah. So, yeah, Dan Dar one with the uh, champagne yeah. super knee bar. Yeah. All kidding aside, he is very good, Dan Dar, and, and uh, don't take this one match as like a like don't judge him on just this one match because he's definitely a lot better than this match indicates. Also, also for people who don't understand, when we make bands about Home Dar not showing up, 
basically, when we, when we go to a wrestling show, Nam Dar's always seems to be booked and always seems to be injured as well. Yeah. So that's, uh, the, yeah, that's what we're getting at. It's a, it's a terrible joke there. But <laughs> no offence, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we all think you're very talented. Okay, the next one. Come on if you want. Okay, um, Jack on. Gallagher, Jack Gallagher, sorry. Gallagher. Versus Fabian Eichner. Right. The last few progress show reviews, we've constantly telling, telling the world how amazing is Jack the Gallagher. People put it this thing and go, yeah, Britain, whatever. The whole world saw it. This yeah. match broke my heart, though. Because Jack Gallagher, we already knew he was fucking amazing. This Fabian Eichner, He's great. holy fuck, he yeah. was phenomenal. He deserved to go further than first round. Yeah. Like They should have I put did. him against... Ho-Ho Lin. Yeah, someone like that. Or maybe someone like Tajiri, like an old legend, and have him go through. Yeah. I would have liked to see this guy second, third round, maybe. Yeah. He, he was, was really good. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, so I said it's done away here. So that Fabian Eichner, never, never been booked around the UK before. Off of that Cruiserweight Classic match, he got booked by RPW almost straight away. No, so that's yeah. to say, this is what's amazing about this yeah, CWC. So much exposure to these guys who've not heard of. And yeah, been... I don't think don't break your heart over it, Jamie, because I feel like this match has really exposed him to the world. And like he he wasn't a very well known wrestler at the time. He was like quite a lesser known one. Yeah, I mean, I've never now, heard of him before. That. And now he's uh, he's known by the whole world. And now he's going to get booked for a lot more shows. Mm-hmm. I hope that we can see him soon because he was very good in this match. Yeah. And he very yeah. he didn't get outshunned by Jack Gallagher because no, Jack no, Gallagher was on top of his game in this match. So yeah. it was he kept up. That so fucking we're... moonsault he done from the yeah. top rope. Ridiculous. Fucking power bomb. Oh, really oh my god, it. that power bomb! <laughs> I lost it. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Just, it's unreal. I don't think it was like a, meant to happen if he, if it was a fuck up. But when he he did like the springboard like kick. Well, he did it from the bottom rope and not from the second rope, and yeah. it looked really cool because it went into his knee and like swept him away yeah, from his yeah. feet. And then, the, and then the, but the commentators said that it, he didn't. Oh, he didn't get all of him there. I thought he looked really yeah, fucking I cool. Yeah. I thought he looked like a, like a really cool like springboard leg sweep kind of thing. And yeah, so he was great. I yeah. mean, Jack Gallagher, boy. Yeah, yeah. Can't, we constantly give him so much It was so nice to see. He had the crowd. Um, he had the crowd. Oh, and right away, he had Daniel Bryan wasn't fucking excited, but as soon as his theme song hit, and it was the same theme song. It wasn't the same It theme wasn't song. the same theme song, though, was it? It was, it was, the, like, it was the same it was song. The, it was the... Whatever the song is, the old... Yeah. The old... Com- yeah, it was the same I, song. I explained it, it wasn't the fun version. Like, this is like... You I ex- guess, but... You expect to hear a wonderful song, and then you find out that, like... Fucking oh. Evanescence is singing it instead. I, like, I love him come out to that. That song's you know, always a fun indie. song. I'm not. I'm not like <laughs> upset. Yeah, I'm just not that excited. I mean, on the great version. Yeah, but either way, yeah, Jack Gallagher's a mate. I mean, it's Daniel Bryan just fell in love with it. Oh my yeah. god, That's Daniel Bryan! Every time he did anything, Daniel Bryan. He did like a wrist lock, and Daniel Bryan was like, "Did you see that?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is it possible to fall in love with a man yeah. on the? <laughs> yeah, it's just like. It's just so wonderful to see like how me, us three, have been constantly bigging up Jack Gallagher to all you guys and whatever. And then now the world is like the whole. Yeah. I've, no, I've not seen anyone say a bad word about him. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> subtle, Jimmy. Uh, whilst we're doing things, good. Stalled. Right, um, I think when Zack Sabre Junior came out, was it last week he was on? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he connected with many people. Very well. I don't think the match came across as well as it could have. Mm-hmm. I think it was quite slow. I don't think the crowd were into it that much. His Jack Gallagher. No, Jack Gallagher came came out, and right away he had the crowd in the palm of his hands, and okay. he just con- instantly connected with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many people. Like obviously, they don't really have much of an opinion because they've only seen one match of each. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of people say that Jack Gallagher is better than Zack Sabre Junior. As far in this tournament, definitely in this tournament, he has, he was much more impressive in this. I mean, Mick, Mick Foley tweeted. 
Jack Gallagher, you're at the tweeting directly, you're brilliant, I want you on Raw. Yeah. So uh, that made me lose my shit. Real quick, quick. Corner Dropkick was the most beautiful thing. Real quick, to all the f- arsehole out there who keep saying, oh, he should be the third member of the Ford villains. No, he shouldn't. Fuck off. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's <laughs> not maybe <laughs> kill him <laughs> right away. Yeah, no. Yeah. Because uh, he's got a moustache. Yeah, he's got a moustache. That makes you a Ford villain these yeah. days, apparently. Uh, <sighs> but this, he came across wonderful in the match. The match ended with that amazing drop kick yeah. to the face. Yes. Yeah, he this that drop kick's usually great by Gallagher, but here it looks fan fucking tastic. Yeah, I was going to say fan dabadozy. I should have said fan dabadozy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I thought this was going to be the best match of the show. He, but let's just get it straight. Jack Gallagher is a superstar, and I'll be very surprised if he's not on Raw in general. I mean, I know, I know obviously it's just a tweet, but like, the Raw general manager saying, I want you on Raw. I got, see him going to NXT. I don't see him being one of the first I don't, I think crew pick for the cruise division. I think he'd be in the cruise division. I, I hope like, so. I don't too. think so. I'd like, obviously I'd love him to. I'd love him to be fucking world champion now. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I just love, like, I see the little, he, he, like we talk about, the things he, his style is like a traditional British style mixed it has obviously some more flair to it and whatever yeah. but he makes the most simple things so entertaining mm-hmm. to be honest I want to see him go to NXT for a while I want to see him against Nakamura that would be oh, amazing yeah. I want to see him versus Bobby Roode I want to see him versus Austin Aries mm-hmm. maybe a year in NXT would do him well and NXT needs baby faces because they've got fucking none at the moment <laughs> and yeah. I don't I don't I don't think there's many people in the world that are more likeable than Jack Gallagher and I think he proved that this week yeah. and the world, I say normally when you're on the internet you see people bash someone for whatever reason but yeah. I did not see a bad word said about him at all and uh, I saw a, a good tweet from somebody who says I love how you, if someone doesn't like Jack Gallagher you can literally ignore everything they feel <laughs> about that world because they're, they're wrong they yeah. hate nice things if you do like, so Jack Gallagher's the best yeah anyway I tried to segue let's try that again uh, I thought this was going to be the best match on the show <laughs> oh did you Daniel <coughs> Well, <laughs> the, <laughs> the final match was Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Wow. Um, Mamma mia. I uh, didn't know how much they were going to play up this, the story in this match. Because none of the stories, none of the matches so far in the Cruiserweight Classic have been story-oriented at all. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if this was going to yeah. be that much of a story-oriented match. If they were just going to shake hands at the beginning and then have a match and yeah. that would be the end, shake hands at the end. Uh their friendship and that whole NXT stuff completely yeah. went into this match. I tell you, before, I tell you what was amazing. amazing story. I tell you what was amazing before the match even started. The hour before when NXT was on, because NXT's on before the Cruiserweight yeah. Classic, they was in, heavily involved as a tag team together, yeah. showing their tag team. So that, that on its own carried on into the Cruiserweight Classic when they had... Uh, this match was just on another level for me. This, this is generally one of the best matches of the year. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably put it in my top five matches of the year. It's just, it was just, it was fantastic from a storytelling aspect and from just a, a in ring stuff in general aspect. It was just a fucking yeah. fantastic match. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa was absolutely brutal. Oh, the fucking drop on the side of the he's so he's got this great. In, he's so intense. Yeah, in the match, and he's just fucking fantastic at that kind of thing. Yeah, he's uh, amazing. And uh, the move, I can't, what was the move to the outside on, on the, oh, the air, part air, of the air crash shelter? Crash? No, crash shelter? I don't know. He dropped on the back. <laughs> He's yeah. back on the side. He looked like he fucking killed him. Uh, he put him into the ring and he put down his uh, knee pad oh. and he was about to knee him in the back of the head and he thought better of it and he put his knee pad back up uh, and he immediately got caught with a super kick. Was it super kick? Yeah. Honestly, that bit where he pulled down his knee pad and decided against it absolutely 
got to me. <laughs> my heart was just felt. It was just so warm. It was just like, if that was Dad on the floor there and Jamie on the floor, I'd pull my knee pad up to him. <laughs> it was just, that, it was brilliant. No, you fucking would not. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking wet, reddish kicking me in. Uh, uh, this is something I just saw, I saw earlier, so I quickly got it up. Um, so, I don't know if you ever heard Tommaso Ciampa's story. I think he's on the cult paper. So, he was in WWE nine years ago mm-hmm. and when he when he got released he was really like he had bad I think struggled with depression things like that uh, so he, he just put um, he just put this post up saying nine years ago today I was released from my developmental contract in OVW I was told go find yourself get over and then come back I would not trade my journey for anything my story is one filled with mistakes failures missed opportunity disappointment regret and criticism for the average person, there are no yeah, secrets to succeed in this business. Work hard, be persistent, remain humble. But more, maybe more than so than ever, stick around long enough and eat enough shit to develop one chip on your shoulder. So basically, like he's yeah. done a full circle, really, yeah. from the shit. Obviously, IBW was known as being a really shit developmental place. Now he's won the. He's going to be one. I still, I think he'll win the tag titles. Uh-huh. I think him and Guy are going to win the tag titles. Um, yeah, so it's just like this match. Yeah. Uh, what they're doing in NXT just showed both of these guys yeah. and this post just really got to me I thought both mm-hmm. of these guys deserve so much mm-hmm. they're that good well the end of the match came in a roll up yeah. uh, Gargano rolled up Champa Champa rolled up Gar- or he went for an armbar and then yeah. Gargano rolled him up again and he got the pin uh, after the match this, this this is what got me this bit got me when uh, Gargano goes to shake hands with uh, Gargano goes to shake hands with Champa and Trumper just walks out of the ring. He gets out of the ring. He just so no, and he just walks out. Uh, Gargano like collapses on the floor because he's been beaten up, beaten to shit by yeah. by Tommaso Trumper. Trumper gets back in and he just sits next to him. And it was like the best visual I've ever seen. Just them two sitting next to each other, just on the floor. And Trumper just puts his arm over Gargano and raises his arm. And it was just it was just a really beautiful moment. Uh, yeah, this by far the best match of the first round. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, this. So, what's your what's your guys' thoughts on the first round as as, as a whole? Um, That's what I've I thought a lot of the matches were very short, very short. Not a lot of people like a lot of matches ended in stupid ways with like German suplexes and like random moves. So I disagree with that because that's their finishers. No, no, the, like in that definitely in that first episode, there was just some moves that just ended matches and. I don't care. I don't even care if it's his finishing move. Don't have a German suplex as a finishing move when every other bastard does it as a normal move. It's the same <laughs> with the super kick. I've gone on about that before. I don't know how they expect me to. So, so what about that? Akira, Akira Tazawa. I, I, I feel differently about the super kick. Yeah. What about Akira Tazawa with um, German? Though, where he's like the quickest, quickest thing ever when you're moving at that speed and that power. I'm off. talking about the ho ho lun The ho ho lun one was just the weakest looking thing, and it ended the match. Mm. And the first match, I can't even remember what the first match of the tournament was, but that ended in a really weak way, I remember. Was it Damien Slater versus the Jury? No. No, no that wasn't the first one. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought some of the matches were a bit quick. They were sort of obviously trying to just get a couple of people to show off. Yeah. Um, I don't think they gave everyone... I think every match... I don't know. I guess I was going to say every match should have been like the Gallagher... Um, yeah. Eichner match. Because that wasn't that long. No, it wasn't that long. But, but they, they both, both got, got, their, got their shit in, as uh, Brian Cage would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've loved the whole sporting <clears throat> context of it. Uh, I've loved the commentary. Yeah, I've, I've loved, loved the, the setup. 
I've loved everything. Some of the matches were a bit short, but that's to be yeah. expected when they're so I don't many. think there's been that many amazing actually. matches. No, so not yet. Not yet. I've, been... I've loved two matches on the show. Yeah. But the thing is, there's been a few good matches. This is what I'm saying is, uh, now, we're going into the second round now, and they're, what they're doing is two matches a show. So that means each match yeah. will be around 20, 25 minutes long. So this is where you're something really, really good matches. Yeah. And tonight, and, yeah. we'll have... <laughs> sorry, hey, I'm cutting you off, sorry. We'll I'm have... Um, excited about the match. Yeah, we've got... Um, Abushi versus Cedric Alexander. Yes, which is going to be filthy, <laughs> fantastic, and it's uh, what's the other one? Tajiri versus that other fellow. <laughs> so that's not. So you can look forward to that one. Tajiri versus that other fellow. Um, available tonight. Yeah, so sorry, I've completely forgot, but work. it's yeah. going to be great regardless. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to the second round. Yeah, going to be amazing. Um, have you changed anyone? Who does everyone think is winning it then? I. I want Gallagher. Yeah. I want Gallagher more than anything. I don't think it's going to happen. I want Gallagher. My second pick is TJ Perkins. The person I think is going to win is Ibushi. Second choice would be Zack Sabre Jr. in terms of who I think will win. Who I want to win is Gallagher. Second choice, Zack Sabre Jr. I think, think, uh, like I say, I think we all want Gallagher to win. But I actually, I think, um, what do you call it? It is uh, Tajiri versus Grand Metallic. Sorry. Oh, I just right. Found it. Yeah, uh, Grand Metallic, he's fucking great. He's uh, amazing as well. Oh, but, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think Zack Sable will win it, but I want Jack Gallagher. Cool. I think the whole world wants Jack Gallagher to win it now after. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I think he's going to get further than people are going to give him credit for. I think he turned a lot of heads with that first match. Even when it happened, I think probably a lot of people backstage, like, you know, Triple H, whoever watching it, uh, Rilling Regal, probably were just blown away by this guy. Uh, Danny Bryan and all that so I can imagine them saying okay this guy needs to go further because we've heard a lot about him getting a contract as well we've not heard much about the other guy that he's against uh, Towers Ta- I can't remember yeah we've not heard much about him getting a contract we've heard about Gallagher getting the contract though so I, I see him getting through to the next round yeah uh, I, I hope he wins <laughs> <laughs> so that was Cruiserweight Classic episode 4 yeah um, last week we've yeah. done our little hat slash wheel slash board yeah. thing whatever the fuck we're going with um, Someone polluted the ma- polluted the hat. I don't know because it was a good match. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was good. It was um, good. Very forgettable. The match we pulled out of the hat was Alberto Del Rio versus Christian. This is one of uh, uh, Del Rio Rio's twenty eleven. This is one of Del Rio's best WWE matches. Yeah, this was before he was the worst thing in the world. This is before they took away his cars and his ring announcer. Yeah, this was when he still had a character. Um, and the match was fine. It was fun. Yeah, it was there was some good. There were some good moments. It was, it was a good match. It was a solid ladder match. Yeah, I fucking love that stomp through the fucking ladder. It was brutal. There was a couple. There was a couple of spots that I hope, really did like. I know it's right in the but fucking when Brojas Clay came out, lower I thought he existed. But when fucking Christian planted him on the head mm. with the ladder, and I don't think nothing of it. He falls yeah, out of yeah, the ring, pulled, and the fucking pool of blood on the floor next to him. I started yeah. noticing. Do you not? Like, yeah. Is that what happened? Like he went loopy and he started doing dances because he went loopy from the <laughs> fucking ladder here. They should have done that. <laughs> um, I did love the bit where Alberto Del Rio went under the ladder and pulled him through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he was cool. just sort of stuck there. Well, this sort of reminds that Del Rio isn't isn't the worst, but he is at the moment. But like he's he's capable. conversation. <laughs> he's, capable. he's in contention for the worst. He's <laughs> capable of having really good matches, and like I've, he he has had good matches. He's not the worst. He's not fabulous. So I'll, I'll say that he's no uh, Carmella. F A B U L U I'd probably go out and say this is the best match I've seen uh, at Del Rio have because I've, I've never got him as a competitor really I've just always been quite bored by his matches um, 
But this was fun. This was, this I was loved the best Ra- match he's so, had. I love Ricardo Rodriguez as well. He's so... Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah. The, the, that was sort of what has really bored me about the Rio is I think that Ricardo Rodriguez was like... Yeah. And the cars. They, they, yeah, they took away, um, away from him. A little personal anecdote here. But... Um, I, I met Ricardo Rodriguez at PCW show after like on a night out. So I was pissed. I smashed that one up. And I was just talking to Ricardo Rodriguez. I was spewing bollocks. Like, I mean, I do that sober. Yeah. So imagine yeah. when I'm pissed. And he was literally the nicest guy ever. He was so nice. He said, yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. And then we could, I took a nice little picture with him. Oh, it was lovely. Nice guy. <laughs> Top guy. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, most friends of the industry. <laughs> get him on a podcast. Dude. Oh, my God. Dude. That'd be amazing. I'm gonna say I'm gonna attach the picture. <laughs> Remember I, me? Remember I loved this? it. I, I honestly did love him. I thought he was like. Yeah. I prefer. I preferred him over Del Rio. Like even yeah. when. Like, Do you remember when they tried to put him in fucking rough and dab? Oh man! Jesus Christ! That was the worst thing. I just remember how much and they tried to put his head collar with Del Rio. Jesus! Oh, I just Christ. remember how much I hated him every time um, yeah. Ziggler went to cash in. And he ran off with a briefcase. And I was like, oh, you little fucking... Oh, you little scallywag. <laughs> uh, quick, real quick, I forgot how fucking annoying Michael Cole was. Oh, my fucking <laughs> God. Sitting there in his little fucking box. Yeah. I it forgot was, the coal mine. It was a bit funny, though, wasn't it? <laughs> I laughed at the coal mine. I forgot yeah. that that existed. So it was funny to see the coal mine again. But apart from that, he was just he's just the most arrogant bastard. He just so... He was quite, he was obnoxious, sorry. Um, That's how he was good. <laughs> just like, you know... Him saying that he persevered for an extreme rules yeah, match, and so. Alberto Del Rio's got to do what he did at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if that match is in the hat, by the way, I'll fucking quit. If Jerry, if someone put Jerry Dawn and Michael Cole in there, I, I think I'm out of you. Know. I'll, I'll give him credit for being. I don't even come up for that. You want to just pull it out there? <laughs> yeah. Do we have much more to say about this match? I enjoyed it. I no, it was, it was a good well, match. We, we've got to talk about the end. Oh yeah. Um, oh fuck it. Yeah, the, the one of the best. Oh yeah. End. Like you. Said, this is why I put so it. Like in. you said, Tyrus hit them. Tyrus. What's his name? Shut up. What's his name? Two years. Brodus Clay. Funkasaurus. Funkasaurus. Brodus Clay came out. Tipped Christian off the ladder. Uh, Alberto Del Rio climbed up, went yeah. to grab the belt. Just as he did, there was like a car horn. Yeah. And then it looks. The camera looks at the entrance, and there's Edge sitting yeah. in a car. Uh, yeah. That he's just driving to your like, <laughs> Um and then Christian pulls down the title and he he just Zero uh, gets distracted, Christian yeah. pushes him off, he goes up, grabs the title, and Christian is the new world champion. I just nitpicking, I wish they did it where he just won it on his own and then Edge came out afterwards. Because uh, right away he had help winning the match. Yeah. Uh, so that annoyed me, uh, I, but it was it was a wonderful moment. It was, it was so nice to see. I remember it, at the time when I watched it live, Edge. That moment with Edge and Christian, it, yeah. it did it melt my, it did melt my heart because this was right when Edge had retired and yeah, it was it was still like, the wound was still sore. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was, he's not putting vinegar on it. On it. Yeah, and it was a beautiful moment to see him holding his best friend's arm up as he's just won his first world championship uh, as we all know Christian's severely underrated I've I've always held by that I think he's he's great yeah well as we all know after that night he he held the title for for eight solid months he defended the title many times nope Uh, he lost it two (laughs) days later to Randy Orton on Smackdown but I did like the one more I, yeah (laughs) Yeah. the thing thing about those matches were the Randy Orton Christian matches they were all Good matches, but I fucking hated the whole thing because it just made Christian look like the biggest joke yeah, in the world. The only match he won 
And the only reason he won the title back was because there was a DQ stipulation where Randy Orton got DQ. Well, yeah, the title. he tends to kick him in the bollocks, and he kicked him in the plums. So that was the only. That was the. And then he lost it a month later back to Randy Orton in the plums, Michael. Yeah, I ain't gonna have any plums. That's what Undertaker got it from. Like, oh, that's a good move. <laughs> oh, that to my Arsenal. So, right, yeah, it's my turn. Now, yeah. <laughs> now I'm saying to God, Joe, I'm just warning you. If we pull out Jerry Lawler versus Michael Cole from this hat, I'm gonna cut you. <laughs> Oh, Hide the sharp objects. What we got, baby? Eddie Eddie Guerrero versus Ramos here at Halloween Havoc in 1997. Alright. Cool. Dub, awesome. I'm happy with that. <laughs> Sounds great. Who put that in there? Yeah. Nice. I think this is where I Google best WCW matches. Respect. Bud me, what? brother. You just Googled like random like buzzwords and put matches in. <laughs> yeah, because I, I wanted to put things that I haven't the seen. Spookiest matches. I just wanted to know. The kookiest matches. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see in matches I haven't seen. That would be great. Fair enough. Cool. And Ed Ed was his Christian. Cool. Look at the triple threat now, is it? Cunt. So yeah, that's absolutely everything we've got for this week. Um, yeah, we talked. Episode, that was we great. talked the news rumours of uh, Finley. We did the Raw mm-hmm. Smackdown. We hope you enjoyed it. It was really great to talk to Finley in a different way than we did the first time. Uh, the first time was more of like you know a Q and A kind of thing. It was nice to have more of a casual thing this time. Uh, like I said honorary chap Finley Martin this week um, so if you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all that sort of stuff you you know where to find us yeah. at Wrestling Chaps on Twitter the Wrestling Chaps <coughs> podcast on Facebook and if you want to send us an email to ask any questions or anything like that we are the Wrestling Chaps at Outlook.com yeah ask us some questions we can answer on the air for you if you want um, and yeah and make sure you go back and like we said go back and listen to the first interview we did with Finley episode 5 yeah, go listen to all of our other interviews we've done. Tommy End, TK Cooper, Jeff Jarrett, Martin Stone. We've had some great interviews. Uh-huh. Right, so that has been episode 36 of the Wrestling Chats podcast. I've been Jamie. I've been Daniel. And I've been Joe. And we've been the Wrestling Chats. <laughs> <laughs>